Welcome to another uh, week of the Sports Block Podcast here with you. And joining me as always is my good friend and co-host of this fine podcast, Travis Grins. Travis, how are we? Oh, we're doing great. Good, good. The uh, house is still going good and uh, in- enjoying it and everything? Yeah, week three of the house. We got uh, a lot of the base this weekend. That was a big deal yesterday and Sunday. A lot of the basement getting things put away where they should go. So, yeah, main level's pretty much done. Upstairs is done. And I think we got the basement done yesterday. So I think we're we're pretty much pretty much done. I would say 90% done. Very good. We wanted uh, I saw that you displayed your hat, so that's very good. Um, yeah. And uh, how are the bees and the pears doing? Uh, pears, pears have been gone. Thankfully, pears are gone a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, a couple weeks ago, I said there were a lot of them. We're all gone now. Good. So, yeah, the, the pears are gone. Thus, the bees and the wasps are nowhere to be found because if you get rid of one, you get rid of the other. And it's supposed to be cold here coming up this next week so uh as we always normally start with the weather um you know that that means uh cooler temperatures means less of those pesty uh insects and mosquitoes and bugs and bees and everything so that's good news there yes very good news we got uh what, 70 70 so today mid 60s the next couple days looks like thursday we're going to be around 50, with overnight lows around 30, so that looks like the coldest temperatures yet. And then uh, going back to my hats, I started an Instagram page specifically for my hats. Uh, it's very good. All on there is all my hats. <laughs> and uh, lids, which I'm a big fan of, they're running a contest, and I'm hoping that we'll see what happens there hopefully in the next week or two. They get uh, finalists for their ultimate hat collection contest. That's why Ooh, I started it. Yeah, good idea. And, uh, this is maybe the fourth year they've done it, and uh, I think however many finalists, six, seven, eight, ten finalists, whatever they pick, if you're a finalist, you get a hundred dollars to lids. Oh, um, cool! If you're a if you're, if you're the grand prize winner, if you finish however they vote or however they pick number one in this thing, you get twenty five hundred dollars to lids. Wow! Think of how many Chiefs hats you could buy. Oh fuck! Oh, <laughs> um, I might. Yeah, we're. Uh, I figured I'd probably, I could probably buy at least 67 or so hats, maybe mm-hmm. 70 if they're not all full price, because hats, I don't, I don't buy them full price, but like, so, like they were like $35, now a lot of them you see that they're 40 so they just keep on going up, and that's just ridiculous, but I think mm-hmm. um, uh, 67 hats at $40 a piece would be around $2,500, so, and, and even online lids has got more stuff than just hats, but if, if I were to do that, I would probably get one of every team that I don't have, like, the official hat of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the Twins, I've got Boston, I've got uh, the Giants, I've got a few other teams where it's, like, their primary hat. So where I got Cleveland, I wouldn't do a Cleveland hat. Um, so that's what I would do. That would knock off probably, you know, a twerk. Then you just kind of look and see, see what else would be out there. So that, that would be the dream to somehow get... $2,500 That's specifically. Fantastic. On, and, uh, and you know what back. You know what hat I looked for right away, don't you? Oh, hat that you looked for. Mm. Did you find it? I did. I found it. I found it. I got a lot of Clemson hats. I don't know that much. Yep. Uh, Vikings. What? 
The Frozen oh, Four. It's, it's gotta be hockey. It's yeah. gotta be hockey. Yeah, the Frozen Four. Yeah, it gotta be hockey. I was on the I was on the bottom, like bottom right. Yep. On one of them. Yep. Frozen Four that's on the bottom right of one of the uh, things right there. That's right now hockey. Got a few. Got a few more hockey hats. Is that is that the most random hat that you've ever purchased? The Frozen Four from however. What 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 year was that again? Did it say? Uh, I think that's when uh, that's when we went to the final four. Yep, I it, think. yep, it's when we went to the yeah, final four and we yeah. we found it yeah. there at one of those uh, one of the shops they had set up with that had all of the uh, NCAA final four gear. Was that the year before? I can't remember. Was it? Tw- that, it I don't know if it was twenty six. Yeah, I don't remember if it was something like many moons ago or if it was just the last year, but it was uh, certainly random. Yeah, that would be random. But that was what? Was that in St. Paul or Minneapolis or was that? that was in St. It, Paul. it would have been in St. Paul, yep. So that was that was the year before. So that was a holdover from the year before. That was 2018. Yep. Okay. Uh, frozen, frozen Four. So that was, I would say, the most random hat purchase I have ever had. We were, it was me and Marcus, I don't know if anybody else was there, we were... At a lids somewhere, I don't know if this was in Sioux Falls or this was in Minneapolis. I don't know where this was. I want to say Minneapolis for a Vikings or a twin, something or other. And there was a hat, it was like $10, and it was Louisiana Tech. Ooh. Ooh. I would say that. It, it, that was the that, random one. I think that was at the Mall of America. Were you with us? Uh, yeah, I think we that was during the Final Four. I'm pretty oh, sure. I'm, and I, yeah, that was the Final Four. I also bought my Miami Heat pink white hat. Yep, yep. That was that, that, and I think I brought me something else. So that, that's all. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah, like, the Woods, and you were you were there. Yep. So that must have been yeah, Louisiana Tech. Yep. Um, I would say that is the most random okay. of the hats. Yeah, okay. The fi- the Frozen Four though has to be right up there, right? Yeah, that's up there. That's up there. And that was cheap. That was like, I don't know, five, ten bucks, whatever that was. I got a Super Bowl, I don't know, I think probably that same thing. I probably got a, I got a Super Bowl 50, or the Super Bowl 50 hat. That was like ten dollars, so I got that. And when we went down to Kansas, uh, Melissa graduated from Washburn University. Oh, okay. In a NAIA in, um, in Kansas. And we got a hat of them, the Washburn Ichabods. Really? Ichabods are just like a person. Yeah, like the Ichabod Crane and Sleepy Hollow and stuff. Something like that. The guy in the suit and the cop hat. So that was in a shop that we got there in, uh, what, that was in Topeka, I believe, Topeka. Who? That was a hat that I, I would have looked at or anybody else would look at and say, what is this? What sport is this? What college is this? What mascot is this? What is this? I have no idea what that is. Who would win between the fighting Ichabods and the fighting artichokes? Oh, probably the Ichabods. Yeah. The artichokes are like uh, food. Yep. I don't, I don't like them unless you poison the food. I don't like the chances. Uh, so you said you you think you have about twenty five hundred dollars worth of um, of hats? What'd you say? Right. That, the gift card, the gift the, card, the, the winner of this ultimate yeah, hat collection thing. You said you have, but how many? How much did you say that you thought you had in? I don't know. Um, okay. 
of all the hats that all the hats I took pictures of and display, I took pictures of what I have, how I have them, like mm-hmm. everybody seen. And I took pictures of each individual one. I was extremely bored, apparently, and I came up with two hundred and sixty-seven hats. Holy cow! That are okay. yeah, that are like wearable, that are in my rotation. Mm-hmm. There's a few hats I had as a kid that are worn out or too small and just not good anymore. There's a couple of those in there, but if if I were to add those, I think I'd be over three hundred. Just kind of those junky hats that don't fit anymore. See, I think I have so, about three grand in jerseys for the. How many? We have twenty some jerseys. Um, more than more than that. Uh, I have at least wow. ten Vikings jerseys. Um. Uh, I have a I have an Eagles jersey, Dallas Goddard. I have a Jason Witten Cowboys jersey. Um, I'll I'll figure it out. Yeah, because then I have a random. You know, I have the Peter Warwick jersey. Like if we're talking about the random jerseys, the Peter Warwick is definitely the most random of the jerseys that I have uh, from yeah. the Bengals. Um, yeah, I will uh, I'll tabulate it here. But I believe when I looked at it, I I have like roughly thirty some jerseys. And if you go between seventy five dollars to a hundred dollars a pop uh it'd be right around the three grand range so um now that I, I i mainly stuck to viking jerseys that's the only football jerseys i've had i've had a few basketball ones i'd say all of my jerseys for the most part are vikings and i have a few four or five twins jerseys it was that brett Favre year yes In 2009 i got that's when i found uh, the foreign markets for the jerseys, the mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Asian markets for the jerseys, which yep. are extremely much more or less expensive than the American market for the jerseys. Yep. So I looked at that and uh, took that risk and said, 30 bucks for a jersey? Okay, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And I did, and I was, I was happy, yep. happy with all of my purchases uh, from around the globe. Yes, nope, I, I did the same thing. I think that's where I got my Brett Favre jersey as well. Um, Very good. And now I'm going to switch to shot glasses. That's the that's the that's the thing. Uh, going shot glasses, um, less expensive, and I'll use them more. So um, we we start we have the collection started with the Vikings, the Titans, and the Chiefs. Um, so we need to ah. we need to keep going there in that uh, number of different places we could start because it was such a busy week in in, in the world of sports. Uh, where would you like to start first? Oh, I'd say the Vikings, they played an play entertaining game. I tell you what, the last two weeks were awful. But the last three weeks, I've had no problem with these last three weeks. They've been mm-hmm. entertaining, close. They've done some things, so... They've played well they, they played well in prime time for the first time in yeah. forever uh, on the road in Seattle. It was very good. I guess they... they did okay last year in Seattle. Um, I don't know prime time against the Saints noon on a Sunday, but I don't know. Yep. Uh, this one, Krenz, I have a hard... This was a tough loss to swallow because... This one didn't go as I don't think anybody expected. I don't know I don't know what Viking loss is going to get me anymore. Yep. I, 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 can, I, can, I can definitely see this one being a tough one, but this is... I'm going to just add this to the pile of literally 30 other games that we've seen. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, put this one on. Yeah, yeah, all right, let's see another good game. I was thinking last night, somebody said on Twitter, oh, this is 
terrible worst Viking loss ever, which is it, which it is. <laughs> yeah, no, no it was way. Top of my head, I was like, this probably isn't even in my top twenty. No, yeah. And I, and I and I just randomly going through my head, I'm like, there's at least seven games I could come up with right away that were worse than this. Mm-hmm. And if I by here, I sure, I'm sure I could pick a couple more. I would. This wouldn't even be in my top twenty. Yep. Nope. I I absolutely agree. Um. A lot of criticism. There are a lot of Vikings fans on Facebook and on social media and stuff, and I don't mean to call out the the fans and stuff, but last night a lot of stupidity was being uh, uh, thrown out on, on social media. People saying that Mike Zimmer needs to be fired and Rick Spielman needs to get fired because Zimmer decided... It, it, I mean, we can look at the whole game, but the, we're going to fixate just at least right now on the decision to go for it on fourth down at the two-minute warning, fourth and inches. If he kicks a field goal, the Vikings get up by eight. So at the worst, the game would go to overtime. But you know, it's inches away. You had been able to run the ball down Seattle's throats all game long, essentially, or at least the the latter part of the second half with Madison, and with inches to go. The Vikings went for it, and uh, Alexander Madison got stopped. They probably shouldn't have ran behind Drew Samia. Uh, maybe Kirk could have just sneaked it. That would have been a reasonable, um, I guess, expectation, too, to, to think about because you just need inches to go for the first down. Madison gets stopped, and you I think every Vikings fan was just like, oh, God, here we go. Russell Wilson's going to do what Russell Wilson does, and he converts on two-fourth down conversion a fourth and 10 when uh, Cameron Dantzler who I think is going to be very very good cornerback for the Vikings just get, loses sight of the ball and is running away from DK Metcalf and that's a first down and then fourth and goal Metcalf catches one again um, I I don't really get the coverage I would have thought that they would have maybe tried to do an all-out blitz it didn't really seem like they did that uh, Anthony Harris got uh, to Metcalf a split second too late Metcalf reels it in and the Seahawks end up winning 27-26. Then we have the Kirk Cousins fumble that I don't think was a fumble, and I don't know how Tony Correnti could call it like that on the on that that last play there. But all of all of that aside, on the fourth down conversion here, people are saying that they shouldn't have gone for it, just kicked the field goal and stuff. Uh, you know, why are you doing this? Uh, this is ridiculous. You need to be fired. All this garbage. Um, I had absolutely no problem with it. If he had kicked the field goal, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But I applaud the decision. I thought it was, I thought it was the right decision to go for it. Just try and just ice the game right there. Uh, don't give Russell Wilson a chance to come back in time and potentially force overtime. So I thought it was, at, I thought it was the right call. At the time, I was like, go, just go for it. Go for it. If you get the first down, game's done, and you win. Yeah, if they kick it, you know, maybe they uh, – I think they would have scored a touchdown if, if they kicked it. Yep. And then it comes down to the two-point conversion, which they didn't make, but who knows if they would have made it. In that instance, I was fine with it. I mean, it was this season, this is not a Super Bowl team. It's not a playoff team. I like that they went for it, uh, what, a couple times earlier in the game. Uh, there was even a time, whenever it was, it was like fourth and short from, like, their own 21. Yep. Like, go for that, too. Just yep. go. Just yep. do, do everything. Every, every time this season, uh, fourth and short, just go for it. I'm s- and yep. yep. Why not? I mean, this is a – look at the schedule. They are, and they can win this game, win this game. I think maybe like a 6-10 and 10 season now, 6-10. and 10. 
and we're going to look at a couple games, like the Titans game and this game, and say, oh, if they won those two, they could have went 8-8, eight and eight, and that probably is going to have to make the playoffs this mm-hmm. year. So, um, six wins, eight wins, whatever. I, I was fine with it. There, there's nothing to be too upset about. The safe place to kick the field goal and to play, hopefully, for overtime with a two-point conversion. I like that they were aggressive, that they went for it, they didn't make it. Um, yeah, like you said, maybe quarterback sink it. I'm sure he would have found a way to fuck that up, but <laughs> sink it would have been nice or run it to the left, to the right. As uh, Drew Samia, we're, we're getting a TJ Clements territory here. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, he's, um, so he's, I, I know he's not supposed to be playing and his backup and all that, but there's got to be somebody better. There's got to be somebody better than TJ Clemmings, a rookie, <laughs> a random guy from Augustana to stick in there. There's got to be somebody better than Drew Samia to, to be a right guard on this team. There just has to be. CJ Ham could probably do a better job. There just has to be somebody better than him. Take uh, take the, the random dude that they, they picked from Baylor, the white the, the white the James Lynch. lineman from Baylor. James Lynch, yeah. And he got the sack last night. Stick him at right guard. I bet he couldn't do any worse. So that's, that's terrible to, to have him out there. But uh, quarterback played all right. Uh, Delvin Cook always gets hurt, so that's no surprise there. He's always hurt. That'll be fun to just kind of predict. When when will he get hurt? Week 5, week 10, week 7. When, when Delvin Cook going to miss a month? And this is on a random play. Back. Like, it didn't even look like it would be something that he should have gotten no. hurt on. It's on the open. Nothing. Uh, thankfully, their, their backup Madison's are very good as well. Yep. And uh, hopefully, boom, maybe get some time. But... It's like Dalvin Cook gets hurt every year, and then he's out for a month, and then he comes back, and he's never the same. So, uh, a great start to the year, but I don't know if we'll ever put together full season I'm... without being injured. Thielen um, was great. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, that first half was excellent. They just needed to score some more touchdowns instead of getting those field goals. Mm-hmm. But uh, time of possession, everything was excellent, going for them fourth down. Long drives against just a terrible defense in Seattle, and uh, the third quarter came and that was a disaster. Yep. And then uh, they, they came back and they they, uh, they took the lead again. So it was uh, that was fun to see. And uh, the third straight game they could have won. They could have won all three of these games last three weeks. Mm-hmm. They win one one of two, and they, they sure as hell better win next week. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because they're going against the Falcons, who have fired their head coach and general manager, and are going nowhere. In a hurry. Uh, PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, has Drew Samia ranked as the uh, lowest, uh, the worst ranked, or ro- worst graded guard um, in the league. Uh, that's not a surprise. Um, and I'm so glad you brought up the fourth down conversion or fourth down attempts from earlier in the game because they did go for it several times and they converted on all of those ones. Um, and so for people to say, oh, why, why wouldn't you just kick a field goal there? Well, okay, were you okay? If you if they convert it, then everyone praises Zimmer. Yeah, what a great job, you know, being so aggressive there. I don't hear anyone bitching about the 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 first couple of fourth down uh, conversions that they that they got. You know, if they had gotten stopped there, then everyone would have been after Zimmer's head and stuff. It, you're only upset because he they didn't get it. Um, but they did convert on the previous one, so that doesn't make any sense to me. I think people forget that. You're trying to, you're trying to make sure that when Russell Wilson gets the ball back, that he does not have a chance to extend the game or win it. You get a first down there, you're going to ice the game at, at the very, at the bare minimum. 
you're going to be up by eight with 20 seconds left. And I don't think Russell Wilson is going to be able to complete a comeback with 20 seconds left. I just don't. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't that to me doesn't make a, a, a lot of sense, you know, saying you got to fire Zimmer and, and Spielman. Uh, to your point on the how close the games have been over the last three weeks, this team should be or could be three and two. Uh, they, the, their two one-point losses have been to teams that, as of the recording of this podcast, are a combined 8-0. Uh, the Seahawks are undefeated. The Titans are undefeated. Titans play on Tuesday night. Uh, they're probably going to lose to the Bills, but we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Uh, COVID has really wreaked havoc on the NFL and the schedule and everything. But, I mean, they, they are playing close games. And I think what makes Sunday night's game so much more frustrating is the fact that I would say if you talk to a majority of, uh, of Vikings fans going into the game, they would have said that the Vikings have no chance. Kirk Cousins plays poopy in prime time. The Vikings don't play good in prime time. Seattle's really good. Russell Wilson is having an MVP-type season. There's just no way the Vikings are going to win or even get keep it close. And for the fact, the fact that the Vikings played as well as they did in the first half, and then to overcome that adversity of that uh, that terrible half of a third quarter to eventually get the lead and have a chance to cement. I mean, Eric Wilson gets that pick with five, uh, just under six minutes to go in the game, and the Vikings milked the clock for almost four minutes, and it seemed like the, that they were going to win the game. They were inches away from doing it. I can't say if it was a good play call or a bad play call or not. They just didn't execute it well enough to get the first down. Um, you know, maybe a different play call would have been better there, but I'm okay with them doing that. The the defense finally got some pressure on Russell Wilson and uh, and got some sacks. There's there's just been so much with this team and how young they are in the secondary and how many injuries they've had and just with COVID and stuff and like. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The Vikings are not the only team that had to deal with all the COVID stuff. But um, certainly I think I had overlooked the importance of a full offseason and what the preseason could do. Uh, and obviously, Daniil Hunter's injury uh, and not being there is a factor. But, I mean, it just stinks that they had a chance to win a game that we didn't think they were going to. And then... Uh, Vic- Victory was taken by the jaws of defeat. I mean, it just, it, it was there, and yet somehow it's still a disappointing loss because even though we expected it, the Vikings did enough to get our hope, hopes up, and that false hope is something that this team is all too good about doing to their fans. Yeah, I, I don't want that to happen anymore. I just don't want that to happen anymore. We're all, yeah, they're going to win this game. I'm like, no, they're going to lose this game. Like, how, how, how the hell would they win this game? They're going to lose this game. Of course they will. They're going to lose this. Fourth and ten, of course they're going to give up a, a 40-yard pass. Why wouldn't they? Um, so a, little, a few other minor things. Like, Seattle is to the Vikings like the Yankees are to the Twins. Like, Seattle is the one team that I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to face. I, I, I would face any other team besides the Seattle Seahawks. I never want to see the Seahawks. Never, ever. Uh, I would use the timeout when Seattle got it like inside the 10 or so with about 40, 45 seconds to go. You've got two timeouts at that point. Um, time is not an issue for Seattle. They've got plenty of that. So I would use my timeouts to maybe conserve some time on the other end Okay. Uh, yeah. when you maybe get the ball back. So I would not have, I would have maybe done that 
if they got the ball with 15 seconds to go, they needed 25, they needed about 35 yards to get to the 40 to give themselves a 50-50 shot at a very long field goal. Mm-hmm. So they needed, they needed five, 40 yards, 40 yards to get to the 35 to have a pretty good shot at a 53-yarder or so. Mm-hmm. First play was excellent. A uh, 10-12 yard pass to, to Rudolph. He got a bounce with five seconds. Excellent. Yep. Up to the 35 barrel. I'm like, do that, do that again. Do that a couple more times. Yep. But then there, like Collinsworth and people are talking. Oh, you got to go for it. You got to go for it now. I'm like, why? Yeah. You've got 10 seconds. You've got two timeouts. Mm-hmm. This is three plays, two offensive plays and a kick. Yep. Pick up. I, I hate this. Is I hate when teams do this. Pick up another 10 yards. That took you five seconds. Do it again. Because mm-hmm. they're playing back. You can pick up 10, 10, 15 yards. No problem. Pick up 10 yards again. Takes you four or five seconds. All right, now you're at the 45. Now you got something cooking. You got to hopefully at least one, you got at least one timeout to go. And you need something quick. And it's going to come down to literally like one second whether or not you have enough time to, to get this thing in. But you should have at least got the ball past the 50. Yep. Um, you have time to do this. You do not have to go for all of it with 10 seconds left and two timeouts. You should not have any timeouts left at the end of this game. You should have used one earlier uh, on the previous drive with about 40 seconds left, and uh, you should have continued just to go 10, 15 yards up the field until you're down to your final little literal second. So I think teams do a very poor job of managing the clock that way. Yep. Um, it, yeah, they've lost a couple of close games here. You'd love to think that they, they should have won at least one of the two. But you know what? Again, just considering everything, we know what Justin Jefferson's going to be. I really like what I'm seeing from Dantzler. I think I think Gladney's getting better each and every week. Uh, you're seeing this team play better uh, play better defensively. I mean, two of t- Seattle's touchdowns were under 30 yards because of turnovers. So let's not let, – the, the Viking defense played very well yesterday – all things considered, except for that final drive. Um, and also, they should, the, the biggest problem I have is not going for two on their last touchdown. Yep, yep. You're, I, up, you're, up, by, you're up by four points. It doesn't matter if you're up by four or five. Yep. Maybe up by four or five points is the same. That doesn't matter. Yep. you got to be up by six. Being, uh, being up by six is different than being up by four. There's a bit of an advantage there. Mm-hmm. And... Why they why they kick the extra point to get up five instead of going for two? If you go up two, you're up by six, which means they have to make an extra point. Yep. Which isn't guaranteed anymore. And then if you're up by six, then they do kick the field goal at the end of the game and they don't go for it because you kick the field goal, you go from up six to up nine, mm-hmm. and then the ball game's over. Because of that, they really screwed the pooch on that one. Yep. Nope. I think I think that's a great. That's a great point as well. So the Vikings fall to one and four. Um, tough loss for them. Uh, tougher loss in the NFL on Sunday. We saw a great story. The, the, the Comeback Player of the Year award has been cemented. It was cemented if this guy hadn't even stepped on the field this year and played in a, in a game. But, um, but the significant loss we'll get to first, and that's Dak Prescott going down to Cow- uh, Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Uh, compound fracture, dislocation of his ankle. It was nasty. It, it was gruesome. You could just see it right away that something was wrong. Um, it, you could see he was tearing up and stuff. But the the amount of respect, it was very cool to see Jason Garrett come over and you know put his hand around Coach uh, Mike McCarthy 
um, and because of his and Dak's uh, relationship when Garrett was the head coach of the Cowboys for um, Dak's first few years in the league. Uh, that's a it's a significant loss for Dallas. Uh, I do I understand they have Andy Dalton and they do have a lot of great offensive weapons, but you got pushed around by a Giants team that can't score, and Dak was the reason why the Cowboys were even in position to you know play these close uh, games that they have this year. They're, he's the reason why they had a chance and they ended up beating Atlanta. Um, that they had a chance to beat Cleveland the previous week. Andy Dalton's not going to do that. So the Cowboys are in a lot of trouble unless their defense really starts coming to play, uh, which I don't see happening. Uh, again, the fact that you gave up 27 points to the Giants, the Giants had a defensive touchdown in there, uh, it just speaks volumes to me. So the Cowboys are in a lot of trouble. But first and foremost, uh, thoughts and prayers are with Dak Prescott, and hopefully he can make a speedy recovery. Sounds like he's going to be out four to six months. Who knows if the you know if there's potential like additional surgeries or if there's an infection like with Alex Smith, who we'll get to in a, a second. But um, that was a terrible injury and certainly tops the charts of all of the injuries that we have seen in the NFL this year. Because I said what was the last week or a couple weeks ago, we had not had a big starting quarterback go down yet. It had been like three, four weeks and. Usually at least one goes down, but this was the first big one uh, to have an injury. I think of all the quarterbacks, like I would like him to be the Vikings quarterback. Yeah. Of all the guys that are like maybe potentially realistic whenever whatever happens with him in Dallas, I don't know what's going to happen there. But I I would like him to be the Vikings quarterback. It's kind of like the same situation with Cousins, where he was good, and the team that had him didn't want to give him a long contract, so he's available. So I, I don't know, hopefully the same thing happens with him. And he goes to the Vikings. But I don't know how that defense is that bad. Or they literally give him 40, 50 points a week. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's even possible. So I don't know who's coming out of that division. Maybe maybe Philadelphia. Now I don't know. I don't know if anybody's going to win more than eight games in that division. But uh, that is just dog shit city. Yeah, that is. it is. I was very impressed with the Eagles. Um, been impressed with the Eagles the last couple of weeks, being able to beat the 49ers, though that win doesn't look quite as good now considering that the 49ers lost to Charlie's Dolphins by 26 at home. I mean, Jimmy G looked terrible. Um, But then, you know, the Eagles, I didn't think they were going to keep the game with Pittsburgh as close as they did. Chase Claypool, who? Wide receiver from Notre Dame, four touchdowns, three receiving, one rushing. Don't, Don't look for him in fantasy. Someone already has him. I checked. Uh, yep, had him on his bench too. So uh, <laughs> that's forty points that uh, you could have had. But um, certainly, that's a yeah, that is just a terrible division. And the Giants, for all all kidding aside here, the Giants at zero and five are not out of the mix. They're only two games back. Oh. <laughs> no, yes. it's it's they each other at some point, and somebody's probably got to win. Because, like, I don't know, Washington and the Giants are primed for a tie, or the Eagles and somebody are primed for a tie. Mm-hmm. Or some damn thing. The Eagles have already tied, haven't they? Yes, they have with the Bengals. <laughs> so They haven't that'll, beaten that'll the Bengals since 2000. You know, that plays into it at the end of the year. Yep. Yeah, that, that tie could actually help the Eagles in the end. Yeah. Um, you're, you're right on that. Uh, so bad news there again. Hopefully Dak can make a speedy recovery. He's a he's one of the definitely more likable guys 
in the league. Uh, maybe someone who's mo- slightly more likable just because of all that he's been through, and uh, certainly that goes without saying for the last couple of years, is Alex Smith, who uh, Washington uh, seems to be going away from Dwayne Haskins. Ron Rivera's like, nope, you suck, get out of here. Uh, he was he was sick, so they sent him home. He, they demoted him to third string, so he wasn't even active for the game against uh, the Rams. Kyle Allen gets a start. Kyle Allen was the quarterback at Carolina, took over for Cam Newton when Newton got injured last year, so Ron Rivera and Kyle Allen familiar with one another. Allen goes in, he gets injured, and who comes out but Alex Smith making his first uh, game that he's played and stepped on in the field since November, I believe, of 2018. I mean, it just, uh, his wife was in the stands, his kids, and she got real emotional. It's just like, okay, we're all kind of waiting for that first hit to happen to him. He completes a, a pass, his first pass to J.D. McKissick, uh, the running back there for a few yards, and then he gets sacked by Aaron Donald a couple of plays later, and he got he got right back up, and it's like okay, that's great. I'm sure that helped, and he got he got sacked quite a bit uh, yesterday or on Sunday, but um, it was great to see him back on the field and just given everything that he had to go through, all the infections and all the surgeries and whatnot, he is the comeback player of the year. I I posted that in my preview blog at the beginning of the season, uh, not knowing if he would see the field or not. And after that, his, his stats weren't great, but just to be able to get back out on the field and play some meaningful football and take those hits and stuff, uh, very cool. Uh, so I, I think any... Anyone who who loves sports, who you know loves football, looks at this story and just marvels at how remarkable it is in the, the journey that Alex Smith has been on. And you can't help but um, I mean, Scott Hansen on Red Zone said that he and the the crew there were getting goosebumps. I don't, I didn't go quite that far, but it was just a really, really cool moment to see him step on on the field and play. I saw a little bit of that ESPN special they did with his. Recovery. I saw a little bit of it. I like to watch the whole thing. It's very good. Very good. Well worth. It, well worth it. Just ridiculous. Though, what what had to happen to him? Just crazy. All the surgeries and how messed up he was with his leg. So yeah, great story for him. He'll probably get a chance to play as much as they want to play him because Washington doesn't have any good quarterback. So he might be the best guy on the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cam Newton maybe got a chance for comeback player of the year, but other than that, nobody really. Sticks out, but yeah, just for him, just to even play another game, and maybe you know he should retire maybe after this year. And he went through all that, came back and played. He really doesn't have anything to play for anymore, and he's not a starting quarterback anymore. So good for him. This may be his last year, but hey, he's he's had a good 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 run. Uh, do we want to get into the NFL and the COVID and stuff that with the Titans and how nine teams have had to get their games rescheduled or? Uh, you know, flipped in, or not rescheduled, but just the schedules have shifted. I mean, it's it's significant. Titans and Bills are finally going to play their game on Tuesday night at 6 o'clock Central Time on CBS. Uh, the Chiefs-Bills game that's supposed to be Thursday night football this week, that that's getting moved to Monday night at 4 o'clock. Uh, pre, uh, you know, leading up to Monday night football, uh, yeah, the, the Broncos are affected. The Chargers are the team probably most affected by all the schedule changes. The Jet, the, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Jaguars. A lot of different teams have had to kind of fluctuate stuff now. Um, it 
it seems to me, and the, you know, Pro Football Talk has mentioned this, so I'm getting it more from them, uh, that an 18th week is coming to the NFL season this year for any games that have to be postponed due to COVID. I mean, just all the schedule juggling and adjusting and stuff, they made it work somehow this time, but I think any other ones, just throw it to an 18th week uh, and let that be an extra bye week for teams if they have it. Just That's the way it's going to need to be. Yeah, because they're getting really close to having that happen. Because, I mean, it's really only, it only affects like one or two teams, but it's the domino effect of everybody else. And mm-hmm. the disaster that the Titans have been, the Titans have kind of been the Miami Marlins. Yes. Of the football, where they had the first big outbreak and they didn't play for two weeks, and Tennessee hasn't played for numerous weeks. So they're a big mess, and that affects everybody else. Uh, it affects our fantasy. We gotta wait until I'm down. Um, what am I down? Thirty, about thirty some points. Yep. In fantasy, twenty-five points maybe. But I got Josh Allen. But uh, he's got uh, the Saints kicker, and he's got the Keenan Allen. So, like, if those guys could combine for like ten or less, I feel like I got an outside chance. If Josh Allen can have one of his big games, who knows? But. Uh, yeah, I mean, the NFL, they may be playing games every day of the week at some point here. And it, it is a big mess, and hopefully they can get to go forward here, and this will kind of be the end of it. But if it's not, then I don't know. Um, you can't afford to have to have this much longer. No, It abs- seems like Titans are kind of back on track. New England's had a couple here and there. But um, yeah, who knows when it's going to flare up again. And if they got another one of these, we're getting later on in the season, and they've already made you know, quite a few changes. And they're talking about doing hotel bubbles and stuff. The NFLPA is not really for that yet. I don't know why. I mean, I, I get why you don't want to be separated from your families for that long. But, I mean, it's three months. If you want the games to be played, this is the way to do it. Um, the, you remember the last time that there was a game on a Tuesday? I think there was a blizzard in Philadelphia. Yes, and uh, who who was the quarterback for the Vikings that led them to an uh, unexpected victory? Oh man, that was uh, that was Joe Webb. Mm-hmm. That was a good game on uh, Sunday night, and then postponed Tuesday night. And yep, that was a fun, memorable game. Philadelphia was going to playoffs. Vikings works, and Vikings yeah, dominated that game. Joe Webb let him up that night. That, yep. that, was his, that was his career highlight right there. It was. That was a, certainly a fun game. We remember that uh, that fondly. And I, I would say that regarding the Titans, you know, when the Marlins got their outbreak, that I think people were like, oh, I mean, crap, that, that's, that's not good. But if there was a team that was likely to get it, it was the Marlins because South Florida at that time was kind of the epicenter of the, of, um, you know, the coronavirus and stuff. Getting that, but I think that there wasn't so much more animosity towards the Marlins. It was more like because they got it once they were in Philadelphia. I think it was more it was more like pity, like oh, of course, it, if there's any team that w- this would happen to, it's the Marlins. Like may as well just give up on the Marlins, not have them uh, proceed with their season, and you know, they ended up making the playoffs. Don Manley's going to be NL Manager of the Year, but when the Cardinals got it, and if it. I don't know if it was ever confirmed or not if they got it by you know some players going to a casino in Minnesota. Um, it just seemed like there was so much more animosity towards the Cardinals for getting it because they did something stupid, and you know it affected so many teams 
you know, in the more in the middle of the season, even I guess it still at the beginning, but it just affected baseball so much more so than the Marlins, where with the Titans and they're doing they're they're holding practices at a private school and they're going to get hammered by the league with a penalty of either, um, you know, I would assume draft picks are going to be lost, uh, coaches and uh, general managers are going to be suspended and all that, but. The, the level of animosity towards the Titans, which I think is fairly justifiable, not completely because COVID is, you know, unfortunately it was bound to happen to someone and, you know, you don't want to, to spread ill will on people when they have COVID. But um, I think that the level of frustration within with teams with how this has continued to spread within the organization and that they didn't get this... Uh, settle down and, and hammer down right away and let it continue to fester and stuff, I think that's where people are getting upset. So I would liken the Cardinal situation to the Titans. Yeah, a little bit, yeah, I would say. It's all about, I mean, both of those baseball teams did something and went places they should not have gone. And they got it. So, don't if you follow the rules, you have a pretty good shot of not catching it. Don't go to the casinos in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Don't go to the strip clubs of Atlanta. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that stuff. They got good chicken wings there, though, in Atlanta. I'll call them, and I'm sure they can say, I'll have your chicken wings. Uh, send them to the hotel. Maybe send a lady, lady friend or two. So. <laughs> uh, so that's that's what's going on here in the NFL. I was, uh, yeah. I was looking at this, I guess, before the games this week. But I was, like, looking at, like, 40 solid who, who the playoff teams were already. Seemed like you've got Green Bay in the north. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Seattle and the Rams. Yep. You've got somebody in the east. Who knows? Yep. So that's what, four teams. Yep. Uh, you've got the Saints. People like the Saints. Yep. Uh, Tampa, probably. Yep. So that's six. You like all those teams? Yep. And then I guess it comes down to maybe the Bears or the Panthers. And there's really no, I mean, Arizona's there, but I'm not quite sure about them. San Francisco's not great. So maybe that last spot comes down to, to the Panthers or the Bears. Because there's really not a whole lot of, well, maybe it's just, you know, it's like we're four games into this, five games into it now, and seeing, things seem pretty separated. Yeah, I, I'm still not a believer in the Bears. Uh, I'm not sure I'm even that much of a believer in the Rams. I mean, the Rams have played... They're done with the NFC East. They're 4-0 against the NFC East. They're 0-1 against the Bills. So they haven't even gotten into the division yet. Um, so I'm not sold on well, the... How about this? I'm not, how about this? Yeah. We, we can eliminate every NFC East team from a wild card. Right? Yes. Yep. Yep. We can eliminate the Vikings and, and, the, and the Lions. Mm, okay. Yep. The Falcons. Eliminate the Falcons. Yep. So that eliminates what? That eliminates five teams right there. Yep. That eliminates what do you got? To Sixteen teams. That eliminates five. That leaves eleven teams left. You got four teams Six. winning a division, so you have seven teams for three spots. This seems like I'm gonna say it's a it's a bad year for the Vikings to be bad because there doesn't appear to be one team that's head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Mm-hmm. Seattle has their problems. Uh, the Packers seem to be good, but I don't know if they played anybody yet. NFC East is bad. Tampa's 
okay. I like Teddy Bridgewater. He's good. The Saints, they don't, the Saints don't do anything for me. So I, I, I have what I have. Seattle coming out of this thing, but it doesn't appear that anybody's blowing anybody away, at least on the NFC right. side. Nope, I would I would agree with that. Um, and yeah, I mean the Vikings. This was the they played they played the best, arguably the best team in the NFC outside of Green Bay, or maybe better than Green Bay. We don't know yet. Um, they played them in Seattle to down to a T. And it, I get you know losing by one point. Uh, I get that there are that that there were no fans there, but the Vikings haven't had fans at their games and. Fans provide a significant home field advantage, so um, you know that's why the Packers were able to go into both Minnesota and New Orleans and beat those teams as handily as they did because there were no fans. Um, so, uh, AFC on the AFC side, I would say you know, Buffalo and New England. Yep, I like Buffalo and New England to get out of there. Yep, uh, we like Kansas City to yep. win that division. Yep, That's three. Even though they lost uh, to the Raiders yesterday, that the yeah. Raiders what very impressive, very impressive win. Uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, like them to both make it. That yep. would be five teams, and then uh, somebody's going to come out of the South, either the Colts or the Titans. That six, and then uh, that last spot, I guess, would either go to, to Cleveland or that second AFC South team, or the Raiders. Uh, I'm not buying into the Raiders, but. Seems like we've got like six of the seven in the AFC pretty much wrapped up too. You got the AFC South winner. You got the Chiefs, Buffalo, New England, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. I think everyone, or just about everyone, wants to see Cleveland get in the playoffs. They want to see the Browns have success because the NFL is better when the Browns are better. Uh, they are one of the the, the the staple franchises in the NFL. Uh, so when they are better. They're 4-1 for the first time since Belichick was the head coach. And Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator back in 1994. Uh, they do have to play Pittsburgh this week. They have to play Baltimore another time. Uh, play Pittsburgh twice. Uh, but this the, the, the schedule is favorable for them going down the stretch because they get the Eagles at home. They play the Texans, who don't look like they're going anywhere. They get to play the Giants and the Jets. So, I mean, if you're looking... There's no excuse for them not to win nine games. They got to win at least nine. Minimum. Yep. I I think t- I picked them at ten and six at the beginning of the season. I think I'll stick with that. Uh, but uh, of course Baker got roughed up uh, Sunday. You know, got some uh, his ribs are hurting him a bit. But that was a pretty impressive win against a great Colt defense. Albeit they were without Darius Leonard. Uh, the Colts are a team I just can't quite figure out. I. They're offensively, they don't have much, but their defense is so good uh, that they can. Philip Rivers is not going to play beyond this year. He just can't. He shouldn't. Um, Got to be done with them. That is actually a team, Crins. If we're gonna if we're gonna talk about a team here that you should look out for, if Dak Prescott were to sign a long term deal with someone outside of Dallas, the Indianapolis Colts, a ton of money, and they, with that defense. Dak Prescott would take him over the top. I think that the Colts are the team to watch out for if Dak doesn't sign with Dallas. Oh, hope he comes to Minnesota. I do. The Browns. <laughs> we, like, we we've never been alive when the Browns have been good. The the one year with Kelly Holcomb. They made the playoffs once. Yep. Oh, uh, have they ever had a Sunday night game? Yes, last year against the Rams. 
that, that was at home. Yep. And they I, lost, but they they, they they played it close. They don't have one this year, I don't think. Nope, they have one Monday night game. They had their Thursday night, uh, and that, I think, is it. I'm going to say the flex game week 17 is Pittsburgh at Cleveland. For the for a, a a wild card jockeying spot, is that uh, for division or wild card or whatever it is? Because there's no other matchup here that I see that pits two playoff teams against each other. Saints Panthers maybe. Uh, that's about it though. There's no other Cardinals Rams. Every other game's got a two bad teams or a good team and a bad team. Mm-hmm. So let, let's get Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I'm uh, here for week uh, week seventeen flex. I'm all for that. Uh, do that. I'm all for that. Uh, yeah, just one more. They have one more primetime game on the schedule, and that is against the Ravens. Though the week sixteen game at the Jets, uh, it's a TBD. It could be a Saturday primetime game. You never know. Uh, Can I make a request? You know, we like to see you know like uh, Tampa Bay Rays against the Padres World Series and yes. stuff like that. Yep. Can I make a request on the AFC side? Uh, you want the Browns in there? Uh, the Browns against the Bills. Ooh, okay. A Buffalo-Cleveland AFC championship game. Ooh, that would be good. That would be good. How great. I'm, yeah. all, for, I'm all for that. Uh, how about Cleveland-Kansas City? Sure. Sure. Are, have I'm you become not... a fan of Josh Allen? He's, he's, he's had a, uh, an amazing year. He's done very well. I'll see what he does here at the end of the year and what they do, but, I mean, thus far, four games in, he's he's probably the MVP. Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, and him are the top three, or Aaron Rodgers, too. So, um, there's a few strong contenders. I don't know if I'm a fan of his, but he's had four, three, four really good games. Mm-hmm. That is a, a, good, a good start for him. So I need to see this, see this this year, and then see this next year. If he puts two really good seasons back to back, I'm like, all right. Then, then maybe we got something. But uh, four games in, so far, so good. Indeed. Uh, talked a lot of football so far. Uh, let's move it to the diamond. Unless you had anything else football-wise that we need to get to. Eh, not really. Okay. Let's go to the diamond. Grins, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays did it. They took out the mighty Yankees, and uh, uh, Randy Arozarena is the star of the playoffs thus far from any any team. Um, and he plays for the Rays. He's he's very good. A uh, lot of home runs, multi or like uh, you know extra base hits stuff. He's the guy that uh, everyone should be paying attention to. And this race pitching staff, I, I don't, I, I kind of think there should be an off day during the AL and NLCS at some point. Seven, potentially seven di- games in seven days yeah. with so much at stake here is a little extreme to me. But with the depth of the race pitching, they should be able to take down the Astros. Astros surprised by winning the, the by beating the A's in the ALDS. But maybe we shouldn't be surprised because the Astros just win in the playoffs. But uh, the Rays should take them. But what an amazing series against the Yankees. I watched a lot of that. That was a fun series to watch. Yeah, a lot of home runs. Uh, Yankees kind of missed up uh, one of those games. Was it game two? They had their starter, Garcia, go out for an inning. And 
didn't use him as, as much as they could have. Mm-hmm. They used Jay Happ, who's not very good. Um, so that was kind of the, the swing game in that series, where that was a, a head scratcher of a decision. But yeah, lots of home runs, and then uh, two to one on uh, Friday. Yeah, pitching they've shut down Houston thus far, and they're up three nothing here early in this series. So yeah, Tampa uh, they were the one seed, and they had the best record, and um, you know a game and an, uh, three innings in this game too. They look uh, they look pretty good here. They do, and. You know what? They're not going to be a team that a lot of people will watch because they're small market and stuff. Um, Nobody's heard of any of these guys. Yep. I am more inclined to watch the Rays. I was more inclined to watch the Royals when they were in the World Series. I like seeing yeah. these small market teams get in. Uh, the same the same teams over and over, like the Dodgers getting in all the time, or <laughs> that's the way it seems over the last few years, That's that gets boring to me. Um <laughs> You know, it was fun to see the Nationals last year with with Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg get get in. It's like, hey, it's, this is a new team. They can, you know, all of the postseason woes that they've had. Let's see if they can win it all. And of course, you had the Astros, who have built such a great team that we were on their their bandwagon for a for a long time, um, thanks to Sports Illustrated. Uh, but I mean, it, it this is a team that is fun to watch and. Th- I think it's just remarkable the talent that this team has considering their payroll. I mean, the Yankees had, what, a $220, $250 million payroll? Or, and the, the disparity between the two teams is over $200 million, or just about that. I mean, it's, fan, it's, it's just remarkable. Yankees are at, well, this is, this is about, uh, it's kind of prorated for the season, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they've been good here for a while, uh, and it's, it's impressive. I guess just this season, I guess, breaking it down by uh, a third of the season or whatever they're paying their players, Yankees are at 110, and uh, Tampa is at 28. So times that by three or whatever you want to do. And it's, it's ridiculous how much the uh, Yankee pitch just go by last year then. Yankees last year had a payroll with $223 million. Tampa had 64, which is which was the lowest in the league. So, mm-hmm. just imagine if Tampa spent some money on some of these guys, keep them. Yeah, they made a lot of trades, and seems like whoever goes there uh, contributes. Yeah, and they they, they draft well. Uh, they 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 get the the free agents that work well within their system. They're just a very disciplined and likable team. Uh, and you know, certainly, there's no greater Rays fan out there than Dickie V, and uh, he posted a video on Twitter Friday night uh, scorning the Yankees uh, with their payroll. Uh, so very, very happy to see that. Uh, so hopefully, they make it to the World Series. They will likely be taking on the Dodgers, even though the Braves, uh, four of their five postseason games, they shut out. Opponent. Five out of six, actually, because the Marlins didn't get it. It's it's remarkable the Braves pitching. Uh, now you can look at their opponents, the Marlins and the Reds, and say, well, I mean, two not great offenses, but still, Braves pitching is great. And the Dodgers, the play of the of the the perhaps the playoffs thus far is Bellinger robbing Fernando Tatis of a home run. What was that game two? I believe that would have uh, given the Padres the lead. May have won that game. May have altered the way the the momentum in this series and how how it went. Maybe the Padres force a game five or can uh, maybe ultimately win it. But that was a monster uh, 
play there by Cody Bellinger taking away a home run, and ultimately the Dodgers prevail. Uh, I think the Dodgers are the better team than the Braves, but it's hard not to to look at the Braves pitching and say, hey, they have a shot. It was unfortunate the Padres didn't have their full lineup of pitchers mm-hmm. to, to see what they could do in the series because they didn't have their top two guys. So that was unfortunate with the Dodgers. Uh, their offense is just so good. And uh, Clayton Kershaw's had a couple of good starts. And, yeah, this, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more interested in this Braves-Dodgers series than uh, maybe should be or thought I would be because just because the Braves have been so dominant of uh, pitching. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a classic matchup here of, of one side's a great offense team and the other side's a, that's a great pitching to see which one's going to come out on top. But it looks like we're headed for, for Dodgers-Tampa. But uh, maybe, maybe the Braves have something to say about it. Dodgers haven't lost in 18 days, so they, they've not lost in a long time. And if it is Rays-Dodgers, if, that, if that's the World Series we get when we talk next week, we should just say it's the Andrew Friedman series. Yeah, because he's GM of one and he used to be the GM of the other, and yep. he built them up, and yeah, he's uh, he's kind of the guy right now. But Theo Epstein used to be the guy, and now he's you know this guy, he's the guy. Yep. So uh, that's good, uh, good stuff there. Uh, congrats to the Lakers, LeBron James. Uh, Lakers win the NBA Finals uh, 4-2 over the Miami Heat. They won that Sunday night. LeBron gets his fourth uh, Finals MVP. And, uh, you know, the, the talks about the comparisons to MJ, let's just marvel at the fact that he's able to do what he does at his age still, which is incredible. Um, I think you can look at this a couple ways. I think from a mental standpoint that this was this is going to be the most difficult championship that he's ever going to have to win just because of the fact that you're in the bubble and stuff and you're there and away from your families and stuff. I mean, it it's taxing the way the season got paused and then they had to resume again. So I I look at it from the mentality standpoint of that this is the most difficult championship he might or he has won to this point, or might ever win. Uh, Cleveland maybe would uh, be one that he that would rank right up there, just because of what that did to the city and being from there. But also, you can look at it from the standpoint of well, they didn't have to travel to any to to any arenas. Uh, you know, can you imagine? You know, it's just. They did not playing in front of fans. You don't know if you're getting a true champion. Now the Lakers were the best team, uh, even though I had picked the Clippers and I had them playing the Bucks in the 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 finals. So the Lakers though were right up there. So it's not like this is a surprising champion by any stretch. But so me- mentally, it is the most difficult championship. But if you're going to look at it overall, it's not as impressive of a championship run. For the Lakers, they're no. 17th, by the way, as it would be in a normal season. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I don't think LeBron will ever top what he did against the Warriors the one year when they won 73 games. I think mean, that was the most impressive thing he'll ever do. I didn't think he'd win one with the Lakers, but now they've got Anthony Davis, and that was a huge addition. Mm-hmm. Miami kind of rolled through the East there. Um, yes, they were good, but. Is this, I mean, where, where do you rank Miami? I, I, I forgot the game was on last night, so that's how much I cared about this series. I watched, again, like maybe a minute of it. I didn't watch any on Friday, I didn't watch any on Sunday. 
Uh, so I'm glad this is over. Well, the ratings were terrible, and I guess even uh, Commissioner yes. Adam Silver was surprised that the the ratings were as bad as they were. I don't. I think some of that is the political uh, stance that the NBA has taken. It was off putting to a number of people, but I think it's more when you're competing against football. football and in the election, I mean, football ratings are down, and that's in part because of the election and other sports that are taking away from that. You know, NHL took away from some of that, and baseball, baseball's doing their normal thing, but basketball and stuff too. Whereas basketball, I mean, just it, the ratings are bad because it's not the normal time for the finals, in addition to the politi- political activism that, that they were doing. I would assume... Baseball is going to outdraw basketball in the, in the World Series. Probably. Um, yeah, probably. I haven't seen ratings for last night or Game 5, but Game 4 was like 7.5 million or so. Yeah, tops, I think. 7, 7, 7 million, something we'll see. I'm sure you now Game 6 on a Sunday night, probably the highest rated one. Um, see, do you know what the highest rated sports thing has been since March. Since March. What event, what broadcast has had the most viewers? Well, see, I don't... I don't think you would ask me this if it, if, if it was football. I think it would be something other than football. Well, okay, okay. Um, not counting football, I should say. Not counting football. Because football would be okay. any, 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 whatever football game is number one. Yep. Uh, not counting football, I guess. Um, I would say it would be. It's the one. It's probably it's probably a golf tournament of some sort. Would it? Is it the match between Peyton and Kentucky Derby? Oh, oh yeah, that's okay. That's... Nine point two million. I'll watch the Kentucky Derby. That's been the most watched sports thing since. Uh, non-football since March. And uh, may I say this? You did not watch The Last Dance, right? No, I did not. Uh, tremendous program, tremendous show. Mm-hmm. Um, the first and third episodes of The Last Dance, the first and third episodes outdrew game one of the games, game three of the NBA Finals. Wow. Wow. More people watched episodes one and three about Michael Jordan and the Bulls, what they did 20, 30 years ago, then watch the current NBA Finals. Is it because people were so starved for sports content that they watched it, or was it that the documentary was that good? It was that good. He was the biggest star there's ever been. Um, people love him. And it was, it was great. It was uh, much hyped, and people were wanting something, and it lived up to the hype, and it was an excellent uh, documentary. And these finals, nobody could care about. Uh, where's Miami rank on, like, NBA finals teams that were... I don't say they're not good, because they beat everybody they played. But I look at Miami, or at least the roster, and say, that's pretty weak. That was uh, I didn't think they'd make the finals. Nope. And Goran Dragic and Adebayo, he was... Uh, they, they were both injured uh, and didn't play much in yeah. this series. So where do you rank the Miami Heat as far as NBA Finals teams of the last 20, 30 years? Like you look at the, 
the Knicks and then the 50-game shortened season of 1999. I mean, that's, you know, shortened season. But here's another shortened season by 10, 12 games. Then another four or five seed gets in. It's like, I don't know. You know, like Milwaukee or Boston, but Milwaukee can't win and Boston can beat Miami. So I don't know if this is the weakest NBA Finals team that there's been in a long time. I don't know. Uh, I think the the year that the first year that LeBron got to the finals in Cleveland when they got swept by San Antonio, I think you could yeah uh, you could make an argument for that. Uh, just looking here, ratings down fifty seven percent for the game six versus last year. Uh, what was it? Game what six. was game six? Do we know ratings or you know viewers or just ratings? Uh, I just know ratings here. ABC scored a one point four. Uh, eight share with uh, 4.4 million viewers. Uh, oh wait, uh, the the NBA Finals itself, uh, 2.1, uh, 5.6 million viewers is what they say. What? That's what it says. For last night. Yeah, that's what it says for last night. 5.6. That was the, that's the early one though. I don't million? think. They, yeah. Yep. That's the early. The early rates. I don't oh think they, they they haven't I come out with I, a final. Oh my god! I know the uh, for whatever reason, game four was like a seven and a half or so. A game three, which was outdrawn by those two last last dance episodes. Game three was like it must have been in the high fives, like five point nine. I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, football must have taken a chunk out of their ass. I don't think the the political stuff. Black Lives Matter played much into it. I don't. I don't think. I think it's the but, timing you know, the, of it. But, but the news show. I mean, the news show. They get big, huge ratings. Uh, but my God, five, five and a half. That's. Yep. I mean, God damn, that's. Wow. I mean, that'll never be topped outside of a an ordinary year. But that is just. For mm. like a series clincher, you would think you know, as the series goes on. Ratings. I think baseball will. We'll see what baseball does. Maybe you know Tampa Dodgers won't care, but at least it's on during the normal time of the year. I would hope to hell Dodgers Rays if that goes at least six games could get at least uh, ten or twelve million for a game six. My God. Yeah, it's Oof. and the the Sunday night football game got eleven and a half million, which I think is fairly low, uh, especially fairly for low. Sunday night. Football, I'm just uh, trying to find the, the ratings for the... So, well, who's watching what? It's not like football had like a giant 20, 25 million. It's like, what? So, like, people just aren't... I, I don't know. Like, like the Vikings, I don't know, they're not, they're not great. They usually draw fairly well in Seattle, Seattle. And, but if that's it, they only drew 11. That seems... Not very good either. Well, it wasn't like there was a debate on last night or anything. No, I, th- I mean, I, I think I think some people are off put by the political. I, I know some people are put off by the political um, aspects of it that are, that are going on in sports, and that's that's their choice. Uh, I think I think honestly, some of it is uh, people are going away more from TV. I think. You know, if you look at you know, like these storms, you know, the and the wildfires in California and yeah. and the West, and then the hurricanes that are hurricanes. hitting Louisiana, yeah. 
it's it's not a it's not a significant uh, it, it it's a large number of people, and I don't know of those number of people that are affected. How many of them would be watching Sunday Night Football or the NBA Finals or whatnot? But I have to think a few of them would. And if you don't have power, if you don't have a home, or if you're you know displaced, and you have all these, if you have all these extracurricular things that are going on, if you're if you you know if your house is burned down because of the a terrible fire in California or Oregon. You would have watched Sunday Night Football normally. Then, I mean that that factors into it. it. There's so much going on right now, and I think you know, I think people have also you know in, in COVID, I think they've had to cut down on some things like cable. So, I the ratings are going to be what they are. Um, I think there's so much going on in the world that we live in right now that it's inevitable that the ratings are going to go down and. I, I think it, there's just there's a plausible case for why these ratings are going down because of everything going on. I, I what I liked about the Vikings last night is I started that game an hour late. Where, did it start at seven twenty? It did. Yes. I started about eight ten or eight twenty, so I was almost an hour late. I didn't I didn't know what was going on, and I enjoyed that. Then I, I caught up at the start of the fourth quarter. I caught up to it live. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the first quarter, first half went by pretty quickly because the Vikings always had the ball and there were yep. two commercials. Yep. And so I really liked watching the game like that. But boy, those numbers are, they're bad. I mean, they don't mean anything because this is a weird year, but they're, that's a lot slower than I would have thought. Yeah, and, and DV, I don't know where, you know, like recording, you know, DVRing and, and stuff factors into the ratings either. Uh, but I do know. I think after... Like after three days and after seven days, they add some of those numbers in. And I, I think there are ways now, like with YouTube TV, which I've gotten those other streaming services, I think they're starting to count those back into the, to the ratings when uh, I don't think they did before. Which would be good. I think they've got the technology now or they've got whatever they need to count those into the ratings, whether that, whatever, whatever that accounts for. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, the NHL draft was last week, uh, wow. so that was very uh, quick turnaround. Free agency's going on now, um, so that's happened. Uh, congrats to Rafael Nadal for winning the French Open. Uh, another victory on the clay court of Roland Garros for him. You know what his record is with the, the French Open? Uh, he's got to have only like one loss, maybe. He's played 102 matches. I would say he's 102 then. Yes, he's 100 wins and two losses. Yep. <laughs> a couple of years ago, he withdrew because of an injury, and he's never lost in the finals. He's never lost in the semifinals. He's always once he's gotten to the finals, he's won every one. He lost one year, like the fourth round, and one year in whatever quarterfinals or before. So that's yeah, that's that's unbelievable. He's the king of the clay. He's the king of the clay. Yeah. Um, you know, let's see. Uh, college football, some stuff happened here. Um, LSU's falling out of the top 25. Uh, Clemson dominated Miami. Um, so the college football season continues to progress. Uh, I watched a little bit of Old Miss in Alabama. Hoping Old Miss would win that one. And Alabama, Tennessee gave Georgia a game for a while, for like three quarters or so. 
Uh, well, you got Georgia, Alabama this week. That'll be a big one. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. That should be a good Mississippi game. State, Mississippi State, not very good. That's disappointing. Yeah. This kind of shows how bad LSU is and mm-hmm. how bad Mississippi State is. So that's no good. Oklahoma, Texas, off some overtime there. I think like that was an entertaining, extremely long game. Um, Oklahoma lined up for a field goal in one of the overtimes. I don't know why the hell they just didn't score a touchdown. They kicked a field goal on a second down and they missed it. <laughs> yeah. Like Texas was going to stop you from scoring. Yeah. So. Hopefully something, something weird. I don't, I don't want, like, Oklahoma to come out of there, like, with with a couple losses and then win the conference, which is probably what's going to happen. I don't like Iowa State or Kansas. I want a weird team to win. Oklahoma State? Uh, the big, somebody. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Oklahoma. Well, if they win it, they're not making it to the playoff. They just aren't. UNC is ranked fifth in the country. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what's going on here? And... I think in fair they got another good quarterback that nobody's ever heard of. It's going to be another Frank in a couple of years. No, no, no. Sam Howell is much better than Frank. You don't do it. How dare you? Don't, don't, don't talk about I, Sam Howell like that. Couldn't, couldn't tell you his name if I tried, and you just said it. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So yeah, that was surprising. I was thinking like maybe they're ranked high because there's other teams on the rankings, but they're kind of pretty much all in the rankings now. So. I don't know if the AP, I don't know if the AP though is including the Big Ten teams and stuff because there's no way that you can say that UNC is better than Ohio State. Uh, so yeah, I feel like some teams, some people are and some people are not. I, there's no concrete rule of. Like I'm fine with them not voting for teams that haven't played yet. Exactly. I you know what if I'm fine with them putting in the week before. So you know the Big Ten plays in a couple of weeks here. The yeah. you know the week of put them in then. Say this is yeah. this is where we say, but I mean, until they do, don't don't put them in there. Just don't. Matt Brown, Matt Brown, there you go. There you go. Uh, anything else before uh, before we say so long that we need to get to? Got a wedding in my uh, Okaboji this weekend, so that's what that is. We got that. Uh, made a long trip to Sturgis to watch. A- not a good football game for Mitchell on, on Mitchell's end. Yeah, what, what what was up with that? I thought isn't Mitchell supposed to be better than Sturgis? Yeah, I thought they would win. Uh, Sturgis not that terrible. When I was growing up, Sturgis was the worst. Yes. they'd lost like 60, 70 games in all. They were by far the worst. And they're better now. They're a competitive team. And uh, Mitchell could not stop their passing game, so that was the big issue there. And the worst part of it is that. Mitchell may have to go back out there in three weeks for the playoffs, which is not not fun for me. No. So, personally, selfishly, on, on my end, because it's four hours there and it's four hours back. Yep. Uh, and it feels like five. Night, so it, I would not doesn't it feel like five out. coming back because of the time zone change? Yeah, like I had three there, five back, if, if you want to go with the time change. It, it's 300 miles. No matter how you split it. So it's 300 miles. And um, I had a joke ready to go, but Sturgis scored on a wide receiver reverse 80-yard touchdown pass on the first play of the game. Holy cow. Uh, so my, my thing was, if we were like at halftime or so, I was going to tweet out the score and updates and stats and whatever. And I was hoping to be like, you know, Mitchell 21, Sturgis 0, 
masks, which is fitting because that's the same number of masks in the crowd as Sturgis has point. <laughs> so, oh. It was homecoming for them. They had a full crowd. I uh, saw one older gentleman with a mask. I'm sure there were a couple others, but um, not not too many out west or at this game. So I don't mind the whole game. I, I, it's it's just that way all the way around. Um, any flies get on your camera or anything like that? Uh, no, no flies on the camera. No flies in your hair. Debate. That was that was fun. Um, no, it's yeah. There's a lot of passing yards for Sturgis. They could not stop the passing uh, game. There were two seconds left in the half. Sturgis calls a timeout to so like get the 54, uh, 54 yards away, and they score a touchdown. Oh my! On a long path. I know it's like how how do you let it was twenty two to twenty at the half, and it was twenty nine to twenty after that touchdown. How do you let a fifty yard touchdown pass get behind you? And all of these long touchdowns, there was an eighty yarder, a fifty yarder, another sixty yarder. It played they like all, two, played two or three back at the end zone. Yeah. I don't know how this happens. This was that was really an inexcusable loss. They've got tier this week, which they're going to lose to. And they're going to go from 3-0 and to 3-5 and and nearly knocking off the number one team in the state, losing in overtime to being 3-5. and five. And they got Huron uh, next Thursday night to wrap up the season, which they should win at home. And that will make them 4-5 and five and likely going to Sturgis again, which they can win, but they got to play a lot better defense. And I'd almost prefer they lose out. I think they might slip down to 6, which would mean they would go to Pier instead of Sturgis, which would be literally half at the time, four hours instead of eight. <sighs> Sports are fickle sometimes, aren't they? You just you, you, yeah. when you think you you know you have a team on the ropes, the number one team in the state, and you almost yeah. beat them, and then you get your doors blown off by a passing attack against a team who had a seventy-some game losing streak back in uh, yeah. a few years ago. It's crazy. Very weird. Sports are crazy. All right, my friend, anything else that we need to get to? Should do it. Uh, COVID spike here, it's going nuts. We're over 6,000 active cases now. We're going to have 300 dead. You're probably at the end of the week, so this last week was our worst week. Last week was like a month of cases previously, so yeah, we're, uh, we're not doing anything about it. Um, Dakota Wesleyan, the NAIA college here in town, canceled their game, or postponed it, I guess, to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. From Saturday, so that's really the first Mitchell-related thing that has been postponed because of a Mitchell team. The high schools had some things postponed, but that was the other team's fault. Oh, um, gotcha. So it's the first time that a Mitchell-based team has had problems, but and things are bad. And, and, and the governor put something out a couple days ago of it's really a, almost a parody reading it of. I knew South Dakota could be a leader in something, but I didn't know it would be during the pandemic. And I'm thinking she's talking about being number one in cases uh, per capita, which we were or are, or at least number two behind North Dakota. Mm-hmm. But this is a, but she's still acting like we're doing something good in all the freedom talk we've always talked about. And you know, we're, 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 we're the worst now, or we're second worst. Like we're, we're bad right now, but they keep back, they're, like, they're not living in a reality. We, are the worst at this right now, but she's acting like we're doing good. Like, the words that are coming out of your mouth are not what are happening here. So it's a very weird reality. But people so, will believe it. 
people will believe it and soak it up. And she's do, she's and a great governor. Yeah. And I heard something about, about old people and the elderly and how we've really not taken care of the elderly in this deal mm-hmm. at all. Um, yep. I think I want to write something here, I don't know, in the next weeks or so about... It really is a mental illness of some sort where with Trump and the lie, like what, I don't know what the mental illness is of believing somebody that lies all the time. I don't know what that mental illness is or what, what, what social media, what the internet has to do with it. Because we were watching uh, CBS Sunday morning there yesterday and the, they had a story on the, on the QAnon people. Oh, yes, and, yes, yep. And, and Melissa had never heard of those people. Oh, they're they're back they crazy. Yeah, uh, Daily never Show's got a good uh, segment on it. If you ever, if you ever wants to, uh, thirteen minutes of it or nine, whatever oh. it is. The the Daily, Daily Show, Show or... the the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Oh, yeah, and, and and she had never heard of them before. So when the the reporter goes on and asks somebody about, so do you believe Barack Obama is a Satan worshiping child molester who drinks the blood of babies? When he asked that question, she literally laughed out loud at the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, it's it, like hey, it's absurd. Personal, like you would or I wouldn't be like, what? Mm-hmm. Like I would hear that and think that's ridiculous. But then there's a small percentage of the population that looks at that and says, oh, oh, is that, is that true? And you look into it, oh, I think that's true. But obviously it isn't. So I, I don't know what that mental illness is in, in, in too many people's heads that they can look at that and believe it, even if it's just maybe a few hundred thousand or maybe a few million people, probably maybe even not, not even that many. It's um, growing more than what you uh, would, than what we would like or what you would think, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and I think Facebook has banned them or did something this week to the good. So I, I think that's what I'm going to write about next. Like, what what is that? Like, what what is that in people that they can be lied to? I mean, a lot of it's just misinformation. You know, the Daily Show went to a Trump rally recently, and you I, know some guy was talking. Oh, you know the mail-in ballots are corrupt. I, I posted that Klepper. on Twitter. That uh, that was a very funny uh, story. And, and then Jordan Klepper said, "Well, that's that's how the president votes. He votes it through the mail." And I was like, "What?" But yeah, that's that's how Trump votes. He votes through the mail, which he thinks is corrupt. Like you realize, like he doesn't believe this. He just says this shit because you idiots believe it, and he's like. I don't know about that. Like, like you tell, like, it, it, he, this guy's never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. He's never heard of that president mails in his ballot to vote from Florida or wherever the hell he votes at, even though he says, oh, that's terrible. It's like, yes, he, he lies to you. He contradicts himself. He, he it's, 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 it really is incredible. If he could sit these people in a room and actually tell them stuff that are true, they wouldn't believe it, but it would just be an interesting case study of this is reality, and whatever the hell you're living in is not. And I don't know how we got got so far off balance. But that's that's why we can't have any any discussions on social media about anything mm-hmm. because it disintegrates into whatever you know what what you know. It will disintegrate into, and you try to bring facts to it. And like, no, nope. it's like yeah, that, that, that's no fun. That's no fun at all. It is not, and uh, we only have a few weeks left of this. Thank God. Um, Hopefully, well, but but we will see. Well, my friend, I, yeah, 
Yep. I hope you have a great week and uh, have fun in Okaboji this weekend. Don't get COVID, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Grin is joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. There's always a lot going on here, football, and that congrats to the Lakers winning the NBA Finals. you got the baseball playoffs going on, so lots to get to here. We're going to keep more on the college football uh, path. Uh, we're going to talk to Charlie Hildebrand here, and then, uh, as we always do, kind of recap the NFL uh, previous week and make some picks. We'll talk about the schedule, too. Talk about the changes, because there are a lot of changes going on. That week 18, it seems like it would be wise to do, but we'll we'll see if they do that or what happens there. But uh, more football talk certainly on the way here. Uh, Sports Block Podcast can be found on podcast.com. Uh, Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Twitter, at Andy Stacken. Uh, Krins is at Travis Krins. Link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. As always, but coming up next, college football talk. Uh, what do we make of the SEC and their lack of defense this year. Does Georgia have a shot against Alabama? Talk about that next year with Charlie Hildebrand coming up on the Sports Block Podcast. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. Time to talk some college football. And who better to do that with than my good friend and our resident college football expert from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand here. Charlie, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Like we talked about earlier, just still reveling in my... Uh Dolphins uh, undramatic win over the 49ers because it wasn't even close. Fitz magic, baby. Fitz magic. That's right. Uh, where did he go? Harvard. Uh, Harvard did not play any college football this week, but there was plenty of college football that the was. Mississippi State did, the Harvard of the South. It, isn't Vanderbilt okay, the Harvard of the South? Harvard of the South. Yeah. Vandy is. Uh, I don't know. I guess I would assume Vandy is. Uh, they, as far as I know, that's the Vandy or Duke. I think those are the two best academic Southern schools oh, that's, that you know, that's play true. FBS football. Well, Vandy lost 41-7. Duke beat Syracuse 38-24. to So right now, I suppose Duke has bragging rights on the Harvard of the South claim. Um, I, I mean, can go a number of uh, a few different ways here. I really, I mean... Is North Carolina really the fifth best team in the country? I don't know if they are, and there have been many times when Mac Brown was the head coach at Texas, they would be super talented and get maybe a little overwrecked because they always randomly fall on their face. And I'm kind of assuming that that'll probably happen to them at some point in time to a degree. But, I mean, other than Clemson, and I think Miami, I don't know if anybody else in the ACC is better than they are. And being the third best team in the ACC this year could be one of the 20 best teams in the country. Yep. But I think Virginia Tech might be up there once they get all their players back to full strength and, you know, from COVID. Um, that was that was a tough uh, that was a tough game to watch. Uh, I'll be honest. That was that was a it, it was tough to watch that game and think like, tough oh. Tough to watch neither team tackle or play defense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 56 points from against a Virginia Tech team. Yikes. Uh, that's not good. But defense was not uh, was not to be found in many games across the country this week. You ready for a good 2020 joke? Yes, Real I social am. social distancing on your Hokies part. <laughs> Doing their best to eliminate the spread of the COVID. Boy, the boy they sure were. And, uh, yeah, I mean, because no team... 
I would say has been hit harder by the coronavirus on the college football side than probably Virginia Tech with just how many players that they've lost. Um, we've had to sit out and stuff. Of course, uh, there are games that are going to be uh, postponed this week, Oklahoma State and Baylor, Missouri and Vanderbilt. Uh, so those programs are starting to get hit hard. But Virginia Tech, I think, didn't have, what, 23 players when they played North Carolina State, won that game. I think they didn't have 21 players against Duke, won that game. Didn't 15, I think, missed uh, this week's game against North Carolina. So it's getting better. But when you're going against uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the game, is in Sam Howell, um, you, you need all the weapons you can get. Yeah, you don't want to be missing defensive players against a good offense. Certainly not. Uh, but like I said, defense was hard to come by in many games uh, this weekend. Uh, the SEC, what what happened to the defense? I mean, Alabama, where's their defense? Ole Miss had no answer for Alabama's <laughs> offense. But, I mean, I was a little surprised that... You mean Alabama's offense? Yeah, th- what did I say? You said defense. No, neither well, defense had an answer for either team's offense in that well, game. Well, that, that right. Um, I read somewhere that Alabama had eleven drives in the game and scored touchdowns on nine of their eleven drives. Yeah, yes, they did. I mean, it's just remarkable what they did. Uh, and then afterward, uh, Coach Saban was talking about how maybe Lane Kiffin had some uh, like knew some of the signals or whatever. I don't know much about that, but I mean, still 48 points against an Alabama defense is slightly alarming, don't you think? It is. Um, I think also we should note that college football is going more and more offense all the time because they keep making more and more rules that hurt the defense. Now, I don't remember any specific rules off the top of my head this year that are new that hurt the defense. So I'm not saying that specific. And, I mean, Lane Kiffin's a good coach, especially I mean, he's a good offensive coach. We can debate how good he is like a head coach and CEO. Yep. He's an incredibly good offensive coach. But like you said, even with all that stated first, it's still really surprising to see him give up 48 points. I think it was 48 and over 600 yards yep. of offense. Yes. yes I mean, there's was. a lot of coaches that say, like, yards don't matter. And to a degree, I think that's true. But if you whenever you give up 600 yards – Regardless of the other team's pace or anything, it's never good if you're giving up six hundred yards. Like even if you if you if the other team has a hundred plays, which is rare to have a hundred plays in a college football game, that's still six yards a play. And six yards a play on defense is really bad. It is because that means you're not getting to any third downs, more than likely. You know, averaging six yards a play. Yeah, you can have an incomplete pass on first down, and they're still like, yeah, no problem. We're still going to get it on the next two plays. Exactly. Uh, Florida gets upset by A and M. Is that a is that finally the or a signature win for Jimbo Fisher at Texas A and M? You want my true honest answer? Yes, I do. Which I would want your I don't know why I said that. Of course, you would want the true honesty. Yes, I do. Of course. Yes. To most Texas A&M fans, unless he keeps winning more and bigger games, it's not going to be. Because the signature win thing is always a moving goalpost thing, and you can always change the definition until you beat somebody to win a national title, more or less. Because you can always say, like, well, they were in the top five. Be like, well, they were in the top five when they played them. You know, Florida finished with three losses and was yep. 14th. That wasn't that big of a game, and you can just always keep, 
you know, wasn't someone that finished in the top ten, didn't finish in the top five. Basically, until you win the national title, you can do that. Depending on how kind of jerky you want to be sure. as a person or a fan base. And I'm not saying that describes all of the influence, but I think there are a large portion of them. That if they, I mean, LSU appears to not be nearly as good as last year. But let's say, I'm trying to think of the other teams that I know they're going to play. But, you know, if they lose to Alabama, I don't know if they play anybody else tough at the East or not. But let's say they, if they don't play Georgia and lose to Alabama and finish like 10-2. and two, Well, they already lost to Alabama they, once. Or sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying that they did already lose to Alabama. I'm pulling up their schedule right That's here. That's right. That's right. They did. I forgot about that already. Um, but do, they, they don't play, do they play Georgia? They do not. They play Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee, and South Carolina, I guess, are their other, uh, what I would deem, difficult games. Yeah, I mean, even if they could just lose one of those other games, because I would imagine, I mean, it's just one of, whoever's the next or highest rated, I'm assuming Alabama will be the highest rated, but the next highest rated after those teams, if they lose to them and finish 10 and 2, which would be a fantastic year for Texas A&M. And the best regular season they've had since Johnny Manziel won the Heisman in 2012, I think. There would still be people being like, well, they didn't beat Alabama, and he didn't really win the big game. Mm-hmm. It's, when you can do that with almost any coach that basically has gotten fired over the last 15 years. But you're, I mean, obviously, you're a Gophers fan. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Glenn Mason won some big games. But probably, I don't know. I'm guessing he never beat anybody ranked in like the top three. Um, I not. I don't know for sure off the top of my head. I feel like he did. I feel like he beat a Michigan team once, but I'd have to look. He, back. he may have, but uh, like I know, even with Bo Pelini at Nebraska, I mean they didn't win a lot of games against super highly ranked teams. Mm-hmm. But being a top ten Missouri team, and I think a top ten or top eleven or twelve Michigan State team. And beat an Oklahoma State team that had Brandon Wheaton and Justin Blackman that I think finished like eleven and two. And there were still all sorts of Nebraska fans when they were trying to draw them out of town saying you never won a big game or beat anybody good ever. Um head coach uh, Florida head coach Dan Mullen, uh, I feel like is a little tone deaf. Uh, maybe you have a different thought or perspective on this at post game, saying that he wanted the swamp packed because the Florida governor says that it's okay for stadiums to be at full capacity despite uh, COVID. Because um, he said the fans made a difference there at AM. And I'm sure they did, but AM wasn't at full capacity. But Dan Mullen says, yes, we want the, the, the swamp to be loud and we want a, a full stadium there. I feel like that's a little tone deaf to what's all going on and stuff like maybe you're not taking the virus as seriously as you should but um so i i hope he takes back or walks back those remarks a little bit here this week did you hear that do you have a different uh, perspective or thought on that at all i had heard that i'd forgotten about it until you brought it up right again now i will say that a it was tone deaf but b he doesn't care, slash, he's a football coach, and outside of, you know, maybe 10 or 15 FBS coaches, they're just so, the way they're wired is they just all, they spend, you know, 90 hours a week working about that, so they don't spend any time 
mm-hmm. about others. I mean, I would imagine the only time he ever hears about coronavirus stuff is if the athletic director or whoever on staff is like, hey, you shouldn't do this that way. You should do it this way because of COVID-19 or like the only times he regularly hears or thinks about it because, and I'm not saying it should be this way, but with the amount of money and the amount of scrutiny that they get, they just spend, and that they're, you know, most of them are type A personality guys who, you know, work until they die, that they just spend all their time and focus on that. So, I mean, while I'm not saying it's good that he said that, I'm not the least bit surprised. No. And if he does walk it back, it will only because, be because someone at Florida higher up than him forced him to say it. Yes. No, I, I, and I agree with all of that. And I hope someone does. Uh, but, and, and I know why he, yeah. Yeah, it's just you. You would think that you would have some sort of perspective and stuff given the last six months, seven months. But uh, like you said, he is a football coach. Uh, staying in the SEC, Georgia was trailing Tennessee twenty-one to seventeen at the half, and promptly kicked their ass in the second half, outscoring them twenty-seven to nothing. Held Tennessee to minus one rushing yard. Um, I think someone needs to tell Coach Pruitt how to wear a mask there at Tennessee. Uh, and not look like he's wearing some sort of armor from medieval times. But uh, that aside, uh, Georgia looks really, really impressive, and Tennessee looked impressive for a half, but still has a long way to go, I think. Yeah, uh, Georgia looks good in the second half, and I, I think that's just kind of a classic thing when a team who was not good for a while and then all of a sudden is starting to get better, but you just have games like that where... It's like yes, you're good, but you have to you have to keep grinding away and do it the whole time to a degree that teams like Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson do. Then you can't play like them for one and a half quarters and beat teams like that. You have to do it for four quarters and you have to do it all during the week and all during the off season. And I just think it's it, it, we see this a lot with you know an established team and an up and coming team and it's a big game and can this underdog hang with them and a lot of times they do for a quarter or half or even three quarters and then you find out like oh yeah they're actually they're still not as good as the other one yet should Auburn have beaten Arkansas I want to say yes because I don't think Arkansas is good but I'm not as sure about that because Arkansas played Georgia tough besides they beat somebody else besides Mississippi State yeah in Mississippi State which, oh, maybe Mississippi State's not as good as we thought originally either. But still, they've got those two wins. I, Arkansas might be better than anyone's given them credit for. And so, I want to say yes. Well, I mean, or, sorry, I, I, I forgot about this. Are you talking, you're talking about the weird controversial play at the end? Yes, yep. That was, I that was what, about that until yep. halfway through what I was saying. Yep, that's what I was yeah, alluding to. Yeah, they absolutely should have. I don't know how I forgot about that. Somehow I did. Because that, yeah. that should have been Definitely a 10-second... Yeah, it was uh, absolutely a fumble. Yeah, and it, it, it was not a spike. It should have been, at like, what, a 10-second runoff or whatever, and they never should have gotten that field goal off in time. Um, so I think Arkansas has a right uh, has a right to have a gripe about the outcome of that game. They definitely do, because it was definitely a fumble, and they got screwed up for um, let's see here. Finally, as we mentioned Mississippi State might not be that as good as what uh, LSU made them out to be. LSU loses on the road at Missouri. Their defense is 
terrible, but you consider that they've all the talent that they lost on that side of the ball and offensive side of the ball as well. Um, it, it shouldn't be that surprising. And plus, you're playing... If they were playing Missouri in Death Valley, they win that game. But they're playing it on the road. A hurricane just hit. Their mindset might not be... It, you know, might not have been where it needed to be. Uh, so I get it, but LSU is not uh, a strong team this year for sure. It does not appear that way. I think I saw somewhere, like, I don't, I don't know if this is the last 25 years or even longer ago than that, but, like, the teams that have won the national title and then, like, quote-unquote struggled the following year. And a, there's, there's, there's been a few teams that have got, like, 8-5, and five. And eight and five, I think, is like the worst. Well, I think LSU in two thousand eight did that. Um, I think maybe Michigan in ninety eight did that, and then there were a couple of other ones. I don't remember who the other ones were off the top of my head. Probably, I guess, probably Auburn after Cam Newton left, so that would have been twenty eleven. But basically, going like eight and five and finishing the season unranked, and uh, it looks like there's a pretty good chance that's going to happen to LSU this year. Yeah, and they are currently unranked. Um, else, I, I didn't come up with this theory, but I, this is worth throwing out there. Okay. So, and this doesn't work. This isn't quite apples to apples, but I'm going to tell you a story of a team, and you tell me who I'm talking about. Okay. A coach who is a little bit under fire hands the reins over to a transfer quarterback who plays lights out and wins the Heisman Trophy thanks in part to a great offensive coordinator. They win a national title, and then both the quarterback and the, and the offensive coordinator leave. And then the team's not nearly as good anymore, and the coach is probably going to get fired fairly soon. Which team am I describing? Well, I was thinking Oklahoma at first, uh, because you had said the transfer, and then we got to the... And Lincoln Riley is under some heat right now. Uh, but then you got to the national champion... Uh, part and um, it's a trick question. I'm describing two teams exactly the same way. Miami. I was hoping you would say LSU for last. Well, I did think but LSU. Really, yeah. I was also describing Auburn in 2010 with Camp Newton ah, and Gus Malzahn. Yes. Yep. Okay. Then they both left, and Gene Chizik was fired within like two or three years after that. Now. I think Ed Orgeron's better at being like a CEO coach than uh, than Gene Chizik is. But I think last year may have definitely been an anomaly for a team that's usually not that great on offense. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just, I don't, I, I mean, unless they find another incredibly good offensive coordinator to fix things again. Which they could, but I don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to get one that good again, like in the next 40 or 50 years. Well, you get back to LSU being sort of like a better version of Clemson in 2007 where you're like, oh yeah, they're really talented. And like, oh, oh how come they, uh, how come they can't quite win more games than they should? You feel, you feel like you should win more than eight or nine games. Well, when Joe Brady gets poached by the NFL and goes and teams up with Matt Rule at Carolina, uh, it's understandable that the offense might not be quite as good at LSU, but you're working in a new quarterback and everything. And uh, Speaking of quarterbacks, K.J. Costello, not great the last couple of weeks for Mississippi State, so the Pirate needs to do some work there uh, 
for the bulldogs. The pirate ship's sinking on water from all angles. It, it's, and he needs to find a way to get all of it out. Yes. Um, ah, ye mateys. Yeah. Walk the plank. Uh, and I think Mississippi State fans may be walking the plank over the last couple of weeks. Uh, did you watch any of the Texas and Oklahoma game, the Red River rivalry? I was not watching a great deal of it early. I basically watched around, I don't know if it was all the fourth quarter or about half the fourth quarter, from the we- the rest of the way through the end of overtime. What, what was more entertaining, the game itself or Gus Johnson calling it? I think the game itself was more entertaining. I like Gus Johnson. I don't like him to the same degree that a lot of people do. But there were a few calls that are very, like, goofy and funny in a Gus Johnson. There was one where uh, Texas, uh, Texas's quarterback, Sam Ellinger, scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what he said. He just said three words. It was something like, like, legend, hero. Texan. What is, what is going on right now? Well, I think at one point, I think at 1.2 he said, Texas, Fox Sports, Big 12. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, I don't specifically remember that, but you're probably right. That, I mean, the way the game was going, especially with all the touchdowns at the end of the game and then obviously once we got to overtime. It, it was a great Red River rivalry. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to amount to much for either team because both teams have two losses. So, um, I mean, it probably it ranks right Tyler up there. Jordan's making Iowa State and Kansas State strike the schedule top That Yes, and then Oklahoma State as well. So, uh, yeah, great game. Um, Oklahoma wins 53-45. one more overtime. Because they changed that rule, so starting in fifth overtime, you don't get touchdowns. It's just the teams going for two whole play. And I, and I it, the game went four, and I'm pretty sure it's five when that starts. And I wanted to get in. I think last year was the first year they had that rule, but no overtimes went long enough. And I thought it would be fun to have the first game ever do that. Be like this big rivalry game, but mm-hmm. one where neither of them are that good. doesn't matter. But it didn't play out that way, unfortunately. It did not, no. Um, let's see. Anything else? Oh, uh, Miami is not back yet. Clemson throttles them. Uh, anything else from the week week six already in college football that uh, that piqued your interest or caught your eye? Uh, how much of the Alabama Ole Miss game did you watch? I didn't see any of it, but I was following okay. along with it. Did you see? Did you see? Or following along? Like you mean following along on Twitter? Uh, no, just uh, like uh, on the ESPN app. Okay, so you probably didn't see this. No, there is a uh, there's a shot of Lane Kiffin with I don't even remember if he was wearing like a face mask or one of the scarf things or what it was. Mm-hmm. But it was at a very strange and goofy angle, so you couldn't quite tell. And there were people on Facebook. Like, and I should preface this with, um, obviously Lane Giffen used to be a coach at Alabama, yep. the offensive coordinator. He and Nick Saban maybe don't get along so great anymore, and there's so therefore there are a lot of Alabama fans that hate him. And also that Lane Giffen, I think, used to be married, but is divorced now, and there are occasionally rumors about him, um, 
I guess, dating, to put it like lightly, like dating attractive women at times and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the I don't know. But anyways, like there were people on Twitter, especially like female Alabama fans, that were like, oh my God, does he have, does he have panties on his face? Because <laughs> it was at like a strange angle. And part of me was just like, I, I'm like positive those are, I'm, I'm almost positive. But that would be pretty funny to uh, see him doing that. I'm going to preface this with I'm almost positive this is not true. But there was someone that was saying there were like, he goes around and like tells girls his name's like Joey Freshwater or something. So like he, uh, they wouldn't know who he really is. And, and there were people that claimed that like he hooked up with Nick Saban's daughter, which I'm pretty sure that's not true. But, but don't know. It's also good name. But you throw those things together, and then you start thinking, like, oh my god, it's like I have panties on his face. He kind of sounds like a sleazeball. I think, based off of that and what we know of him coaching, I don't think that would be out of the realm of realism to say. <laughs> like, there's probably a lot of truth. Oh. The things I said that were rumors, I don't know. I would imagine a lot of those are not true. Right. But... It's funny, and you're like, well, I don't know, maybe it is true. Uh, th- looking ahead to then to this week, the monster matchup is number three Georgia at number two Alabama, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Huge night game for this one. Um, Wait, where's the play at? It is being. It is at Tuscaloosa. Okay. I think then Al- I will give Alabama the slight advantage, but Georgia arguably has looked like the more complete team to this point. Uh, but we know the success is not good uh, for former um, assistants under Nick Saban when they go back and play against you know the their teacher. Uh, the the students lose. Yes. So is this? Is, and Lane Kiffin was—I don't know if Lane Kiffin was just the closest one, but he was not the closest. He was close to the closest game against Nick What what percentage chance do we give Kirby Smart and Georgia of pulling off the upset here against Alabama? I mean, this should be a whale of a game. I'd say like thirty-three percent. I think they could do it, but it is on the road. I think Georgia's better on defense. But I also think Alabama is going to play much better this week. It partially because Georgia's not nearly as good on offense as Ole Miss is. And I think I would think it would be a game in like the twenties, maybe the low thirties, and Alabama, like a close, really good game that Alabama scores with like five minutes left to go up by ten, and then gets a stop and runs the clock out. I hope Georgia wins, even though it's not like love Georgia. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, it's just, he's so good against his former assistants. I think they're going to play much better after last week on defense. I mean, I don't think they're going to be like lights out good, but a lot better. And I think they will be able to score on offense too. I will ask this question uh, again because I know I've brought it up several times. You know, as we've talked throughout the season because of the lack of, you know, full crowds and stuff at these games due to COVID. With Alabama only being at, what, like 20 25% capacity, does the does the lack of a full stadium, how much will that help Georgia in this one, or will it not at all? 
Is it a non-factor? I think it's more than a non-factor, but it's barely more than a non-factor. Okay. Because even if I don't, even, even if it's only twenty percent, that's still twenty thousand people, and twenty thousand people in a fairly small space, you can, especially if it's a good game and it's close, I think can be loud enough that it's not going to be exactly the same, but it's not going to be you know like as quiet as a church in the middle, you know, of the prayers of the church or yep. anything like that. Quiet as a church mouse. <laughs> um, I, should, I tried to get fancy and clever and then tried to think of a time when you're in church and it's quiet <laughs> and realize that usually at least one person is talking because that's the point of the church. It is. It is normally. And yes, it is. Uh, we have a number of ranked teams going on the road this week. So let's play a game here. I'm going to give you a, the matchup. I'll tell you who's the ranked team and who they're playing. You give me a percentage chance that they lose this weekend. That the ranked team loses. Yes. We'll okay, start. I like this game. All right. So we'll start on Friday. Uh, we have number 17, October 16th. Uh, Kelsey and my anniversary. Oh, man. Uh, sorry, hon. I guess I'll be watching some college football on Friday. <laughs> the bright side is now you know that you have to go run out quick by a <laughs> Exactly. Uh,. So, we have number 17, SMU, at Tulane. 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. SMU is number 17th ranked team in the country. What percent chance does SMU have of losing? I'm going to say like 20. I don't think they're going to, I mean, it's possible, realistic, but not likely. Okay. And also, I don't know a great deal about Tulane. Tulane has great uniforms. They are 2 and 2. I do know that. They do have fantastic uniforms. I will give you the records, too, because that might factor in as well. Later than after the SMU-Tulane game, we stick in the AAC with a non-conference game between number 14-ranked BYU, 4-0, against 1-0 Houston, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. What percent chance do you give BYU of losing? I was listening to what you said. I forgot again where you said the game was at. Houston. It's in Houston. It's in Houston. That may change it a little bit. I don't know how far Provo is from Houston. I know they're not close. Um, I do think BYU's going to win. I'm going to say like a 25% chance they lose. Okay. In part because BYU's played more games and I think plays a style of game that's more conducive to going on the road than if it was vice versa and Houston was going out to promo. Okay. And they're big and physical. And, and actually, I mean, we should throw this in there. I think we say this joking about BYU at times, but it's true. When you've got a bunch of 22-year-old kids that are freshmen, they're just not going to be, like, as t- intimidated and worried about going on the road where they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, building a house in this place. Mm-hmm. And, Warlords came and asked them that they would murder us and we didn't leave. So, you know, playing, playing in Houston's not scare me. Unless they were playing the Texans. Then it might be a little well, scary. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, BYU's got some older guys. I don't think any of them could block J.J. Watt, though. No, no, they cannot. Let's go to Saturday, then. Number one team in the country, Clemson at Georgia Tech. Clemson's 4-0, Georgia Tech's 2-2, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC. Percent chance that Clemson loses. 
six and a half, incredibly low. I think that's actually relatively high. You're giving... Now, when, when I say six and a half, we, we've got to remember this, and I'm saying this like half serious and half game. We can get a whole rash of like 40 Clemson players that test positive between now and then. We could get like a bus accident where nobody is like seriously injured, but they're like, oh, actually one of our buses didn't get here in time. If we don't play with the guys we have, we have to forfeit. And they only have like... 58 guys dressed and are out 15 starters. So when I say 6.5%, I'm like including incredibly unlikely stuff like that in there, too. Okay, okay. In terms of just Georgia Tech straight up being like, haha, we're better, that is like a 1.5% chance, I think. Still, That's still even relatively high. Um, okay, number eight. 98.5% chance to win is high enough. Nope, it, not when we're talking Clemson here. Uh, number eight, Cincinnati, 3-0 and at 1-1 one one, Tulsa, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN2. What percent chance does Cincinnati have of losing? I'm going to say 15. I think more of a chance than Clemson losing. But not much, partially just because I think Cincinnati's really good this year. They are. And even though it's a yep. fairly long road trip. And it's weird that those two teams are in the same conference, because I don't think of Ohio and Oklahoma being like in remotely the same geographic re- region, but I think they'll be fine. Keep in mind, Tulsa did beat UCF a couple of weeks ago. Um That's true, and I keep saying this, and it's like, oh yeah, Mississippi State beat LSU. Oh yeah. Texas A&M just beat Florida, so. It's just chalk it up to 2020. Uh, In football in 2020. It's really all we have to say. Number 15, Auburn. 2-1 at 1-2 South Carolina. Noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN. What percent chance does Auburn have of losing? I picked a lot of not very high chances to lose, so I was like going in thinking I was going to say a really high for this next one, but I don't really trust Will Muschamp to win like big games and upset guys very often. So while they could, and I think Auburn's maybe reeling a little bit, I'm still only going to say like a 30% chance, and that's more of South Carolina coaching than anything else. That's the highest thus far though, the highest percentage I think we've gotten. We got two more games uh, here to pick it. By the way, you did say that w- you did pick Alabama to beat Georgia, right? I did. I think that was. I don't. I, we weren't playing this. No, game, no, I no. We think. weren't. We weren't. But I said that was like a thirty-three percent chance for Georgia to win. Okay. So if we would include that one, that would be the highest one for the higher ranked team to lose. Yep. Yeah, but because it's the ranked versus ranked, we won't count that in here. But uh, I did just I, – I wanted to make sure I asked what percent chance you did give Georgia to win here. 2-1, uh, and one, Texas A&M ranked number 11. It's weird. They jumped 10 spots uh, for beating Florida team at home. Uh, at 1-2 and two Mississippi State, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network. I'm going to say there's a 55% chance they lose. Woo! Mike Leach, incredibly chaotic. There's times they look really good, times they look really bad. They haven't looked good the last two weeks. And you combine that with Texas A&M saying, hey, we've arrived, we're here, we're good to go. Look how great we are. I think it's going to be a classic hangover game from them. Mississippi State figuring some things out and having one of those classic 
Texas Tech Washington State type games that Mike Leach had when the quarterback goes, you know, 40 of 55 with five touchdowns. And they find a way to win, I don't know, like 38 35. Okay, so Mississippi State has lulled Texas A&M into a false sense of security. Mike Leach, the ever so crazy pirate he is, had a parlay with him earlier this year and said all these things to just get their head in the right spot so they think they're going to be fine. And then he's going to unleash whatever he does. I don't know what it is, but I don't know enough nautical terms either. <laughs> so, like, uh, drop, drop the anchor on him, I guess. Okay. All right. I I like it. The, the, the two points they scored against Kentucky last week were all a decoy. It was. <laughs> Final matchup here. Number. He knows how much money Jimbo Fisher gets paid, and he wants to beat him just so he can make some joke about that in the press conference. And any press conference that he has is uh, is must see television. Final matchup: Number five North Carolina at uh, their three and zero at one and three Florida State, seven thirty p.m. Eastern, six thirty p.m. Central Time on ABC. Real quick. Just because I was watching it, but definitely quit paying attention when Ole Miss and Alabama kept being more and more interesting and entertaining. What was the final score of the Florida State Notre Dame game? Forty-two to twenty-six, Notre Dame. Okay, so I mean, I knew Notre Dame won. They won by two scores. I still can't do it and pick them upset, but. And I don't know what's going on with Florida State. They have, like, bad systemic problems, apparently. Um, I could definitely see this being like a Mac Brown. We're not playing very well. But I don't trust Florida to pull or Florida State to pull it out. I'm going to say... I'm going to say a 21% chance that Florida State wins. Okay. They have the talent. It's just all a matter of it coming together for Nat, for Matt Norvell. Uh, exactly. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think UNC is the fifth best team in the country, but Florida State's very bad. So I they are. I like Again. UNC to take that. Which is so strange because, Stag, I mean, we're both basically the same age. Like yep. Most of our lives, Florida State has either been, like, fantastic or at least, like, really good. Mm-hmm. And even when they weren't just, like, loaded with talent. Yep. And I'm not saying like I, I I feel like they should at least be like LSU, not this year or last year, but the first couple of years with Orgeron. We were like, yeah, well maybe they didn't win as many games as we thought they would, but they're still really good and like one of the 15 or 20 best teams in the country. And it's weird that there have been so many times that's not the case, especially when they play in an ACC conference that. At times has been really good, but mm-hmm. usually it's like at best a third best conference in the country or worse. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, a, a stunning fall from grace for sure. It it's kind of like Miami uh, for a while. I feel like it. The it's it should be, in some ways it should be even easier at Florida State though because I'm not great. I I'm going to preface this with even though Miami's a private school and Florida State's a public school, but just because you're a private school. That's good at academics. That's one of the underrated things about Miami people forget. It's a very strong academic school. But just because they say that doesn't mean that they're not going to be like, oh, well, yeah, sure, we'll let this guy in because he's good at football. We don't really care about me. But even with that said, I mean, a public school just loaded with talent in every single direction you can go into Tallahassee. I just, I, 
baffles my mind that they're not like, oh yeah, we're probably going to win at least nine games this year. <laughs> and it, it, they aren't going to... Losing this. to Clemson? Sure, I get that. Losing to Miami, especially like this year, where they look good when they're not playing Clemson? Like, okay, that's fair and reasonable. But <laughs> I, aside from that, I just don't get it. They were trailing Jacksonville State a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's how bad it's gotten for Florida State. Uh, yeah, but really bad. we'll see what happens. Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. I uh, know we'll chat soon here. Uh, enjoy the, the week of college football. Enjoy the big game Saturday night. And uh, we'll chat soon, uh, see what else happens, as, especially as uh, the Big Ten gears up here in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you also enjoy the games. And happy anniversary on top. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, my friend. Yep, have a good one. Charlie Hildebrand, the Northwest Iowa Review. Kind enough to join us here. Uh, always appreciate his time, as always. Uh, so, not a great week of college football coming up here, but the monster matchup, Alabama against Georgia, hosting Georgia, should be a great game. Hopefully it's a great game, and hopefully Georgia prevails. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast here with a look back at Week 5 in the NFL, make some picks for Week 6, and discuss the schedule changes. That's all coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, we tried to do toddler takes. I tried to get my son Noah on to, to make a couple of picks. He wasn't having it. We'll get him on here soon for either toddler takes or... Uh, uh, picks of some sort, yes. I mean, uh, pre preschool picks. Who knows? We'll, we'll we'll create a fun title and we'll get him on here soon enough. But uh, he didn't want to do it this week. We'll try again next week. Let's look back at week five in the NFL and make some early picks for week six, uh, as we always do during football season. Thursday night football began. Uh, Chicago Bears beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-19. Bears were down 13-0 late in the second quarter. It looked like the Buccaneers were in complete control of this game. Bears score a touchdown, then they force a fumble, score a touchdown right after that, are up 14-13 at half. But what everyone's attention comes to is the end of the game when Tom Brady appeared to have forgotten that it was fourth down. He threw a very bad pass in uh, traffic. He said he was trying to be aggressive, get the first down, but and then he held up four fingers and didn't leave the field. It certainly seemed like he didn't realize that it was fourth down. So a bad uh, mistake by Brady, and the Bucks ultimately lose 20 to 19. Sunday action: the Houston Texans get their first win of the year, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 30 to 14. They were aided by a couple of missed field goals by Jaguars kicker Stephen Hauschka, who missed a 24-yarder at the end of the or in the second quarter that would have gotten the would have tied the game up for the Jaguars. Maybe change the way this game plays out. As a result, though, uh, Jaguars lose their fourth in a row. Uh, Houston wins 30 to 14. Kyler Murray 380 yards passing. He had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Joe Flacco got the start for the Jets and it didn't do them a damn bit of good. Cardinals crush the Jets 30 to 10 but lose an important member of their defense Chandler Jones to a bicep injury. He's done for the year. Upset of the day probably happened in Arrowhead. Uh, Arrowhead at KC. Kansas City loses 
to the Las Vegas Raiders, 40 to 32. Raiders aerial attack was strong in this one. Henry Ruggs had a big game. Uh, Derek Carr hit his wide receivers all over the field, really torched that Chiefs secondary. A Chiefs defense that had been playing really good for a while. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was not his normal self, and the Chiefs a little maybe a little too reliant on the passing game. Didn't run it as much as they probably should have. And uh, the Raiders get a big win. And the Chiefs, their first loss, 40-32. to uh, The Bengals kicked the field goal with 20-some seconds left, 30-some seconds left to go against in their game against the Ravens. That gave them three points and avoided the shutout. The Ravens easily destroyed Joe Burrow and the Bengals 27-3. Uh, Patrick Queen, Burrow's teammate at LSU, had a fumble return for a touchdown and the Ravens' uh, passing game wasn't great, but better. Uh, certainly, though, they uh, they got the deal done easily. In the Battle of Pennsylvania with fans in the stands, about 5,500 of them, the Carson Wentz and the Eagles played a lot closer and t- a tougher game than I would have thought that they would give the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it was the Chase Claypool show for the Steelers the rookie wide receiver from Notre Dame had four touchdowns, three receiving, one rushing. Pittsburgh upends Philadelphia 38-29. to uh, Travis Fulgham, 10 receptions, 152 yards for the Eagles. It's a name you should probably know. Atlanta Falcons still winless. 0-5 for the first time since 1997. They lose 23-16 to to Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers, who have now won three in a row. The uh, Teddy Bridgewater played great in this one, but the Falcons secondary is just so banged up right now and depleted. Uh, Matt Ryan didn't have Julio Jones, so they were off uh, on, on offense. Todd Gurley had a, a good game for the Falcons, but they lose 23-16 afterwards. Head coach Dan Quinn, GM Thomas Dimitrov, fired by team owner Arthur Blank. The best moment of the football weekend happened in Washington and it was Alex Smith stepping onto the field for the first time since that horrific injury back in what was it, 2018, November 2018, against the Houston Texans. Uh, he came in for an injured Kyle Allen, uh, completed his first pass, a little dump off to running back J.D. McKissick. It ultimately didn't matter, though he didn't have a great game overall. And in the rain, the second half, Aaron Donald and the Rams defense took over. Jared Goff played well in this one. The Rams win easily 30-10. to But for Alex Smith to get on the field and play some meaningful snaps, uh, comeback player of the year, no doubt about it. This was the shocker of the day. Uh, maybe the second shocker? I don't know. What's more shocking? I'll ask you. The Dolphins beating the 49ers or the Raiders beating the Chiefs? The Dolphins embarrass San Francisco 43-17. They got things started out really quickly, up 14-0. Jimmy Garoppolo was benched at the end of the first half uh, through two interceptions. Maybe still hasn't fully recovered from his ankle injury, but Miami just crushed San Francisco 43-17. And now the 49ers have some questions on their hand uh, regarding their quarterback situation. Cleveland, 4-1 for the first time since Bill Belichick was the head coach and some guy named Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator. wonder what happened to those guys if their um, coaching careers amounted to anything. Uh, The Browns, 
Get a pick six off of Phillip Rivers in the third quarter. Also get a safety. Their offense was rolling early in the first half. They cruised to a 32-12. Oh, they shouldn't say cruise because the Colts battled back, but Indianapolis uh, ultimately loses to Cleveland 32-23. to Browns have a big matchup with Pittsburgh next week. Uh, from one end of the spectrum with Alex Smith, being you know, stepping out on the field, a devastating injury in Big D, where Dak Prescott fractures, uh, dislocated his ankle. It was a gruesome injury. The Cowboys uh, were up 31-23 at that point. They had fallen behind 14-3, battled back. Then the Giants came back, took a lead. Cowboys kick a couple of field goals late. Uh, Greg Zerline hits one with no time remaining, and the. Uh, Cowboys win 37-34 over the Giants to keep them winless. But Andy Dalton will be the starting quarterback here going forward. Dak Prescott, ankle surgery, uh, and he will be out four to six months. It was It's a terrible injury. Terrible indeed. Sunday Night Football, we talked about this a bunch with Travis. I The Vikings, false hope. Didn't expect them to beat the Seahawks, but the way they played in the first half of 13-0, incredible. Uh, then seven-minute spurt in the third quarter. It seemed like it was all going downhill. They were down 21-13. They came back, had a 26-21 lead, went for it on fourth down, fourth and inches, under two minutes to go. Didn't get it. Russell Wilson, you know the rest, drives the Seahawks the length of the field, converts on fourth and goal, also converted on fourth and 10 earlier. Seahawks win 27-26. And then Monday Night Football, uh, Drew Brees they only come back once, I believe, in his career. Went down by 17 points. He was down 20-3 to in, late in the first half of this game against the Chargers, against Justin Herbert and company, and came back. Battled back and forth with a couple of alternating touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Chargers had a chance to win the game at the end after a sensational catch by Mike Williams. But Mike Badgley's kick hit off the upright. The Saints kick a field goal in overtime and then come up with a big stop on fourth down to win the game 30-27. to And then Tuesday Night Football, great game. Well, it was great to have Tuesday Night Football, only the second time uh, in the Super Bowl era since 1946. Only other time was when the Vikings and Eagles played in a blizzard back in 2010, and the Vikings, led by Joe Webb, won that game. But the Titans... Annihilate the Bills, 42-16. to They got motivation from people being angry with them about the COVID outbreak and everything like that. Derrick Henry with a stiff arm for the ages on Bills cornerback Josh Norman. You'll see it everywhere. It it really ignited the Titans. And really, that was the Energizer Bunny moment that got them going. And they cruised to victory. Tanhill, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown this one. They hand the Bills the first loss. Titans remain undefeated. Let's go ahead and take a look at week six, make some early picks here. Uh, Lions and Packers last week were on the bye. No Thursday night football, schedule adjustments. We'll get to the schedule here in a second. Uh, so we'll start uh, with Sunday action. 1-5 Atlanta Falcons at the 1-4 Minnesota Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Uh, Vikings are a better team than 1-4. They've shown that over the last three weeks, taking them over the injury-plagued birds and the Falcons. Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Is there going to be a letdown for Tennessee? It's possible, but Houston, yes, they, they did fine against Jacksonville, but they're just... 
they're not as good as they were last year. They don't have the offensive weapons, and I don't think they can get the job done here. I think the Titans win uh, this one. Baltimore at Philadelphia, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. The Ravens 4-1, the Eagles 1-3-1. The Ravens' passing attack has not been great, but they are a better team than the Eagles. I, I was very impressed and surprised by what Carson Wentz and the Eagles did last week in Pittsburgh and the week before against San Francisco. I don't see them pulling off an upset here. In the Battle of the Birds, take the Ravens. Washington at the Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Oy vey. Uh, Washington won win. The Giants winless, but the Giants looked better last week against Dallas. I don't know if Chase Young's going to play for Washington or not. I believe Kyle Allen will get the start, not Alex Smith, not Dwayne Haskins for Washington. I'll take the Giants at home. Giants get their first win of the year. The 1-3 Detroit Lions at the 1-4 Jacksonville Jaguars. 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Lions had a bye week to prepare. The Jaguars seemed to be getting worse and worse by the week. Lions, probably better than one and three. Take the Lions to beat the Bears. Or to, to beat the Jaguars, excuse me. Then the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Browns 4-1. Steelers undefeated. Who remains undefeated? I think Cleveland's probably a little better, but until they actually beat Pittsburgh, sorry. I can't I can't pick them to win. Pittsburgh remains undefeated. They take down Cleveland. Cincinnati Bengals at the Indianapolis Colts, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Joe Burrow got banged up by that Ravens defense, and the Colts defense is better. Uh, DeForest Buckner is going to crush them, uh, crush that Bengals' terrible offensive line. Colts win this one easily. Chicago Bears at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Bears are 4-1, but a very unbelievable 4-1. They were lucky to beat the Bucks. Who knows what's going on with Nick Foles? Are we believing in the Panthers? Are we believing in this mojo that Teddy Bridgewater and company have going? It's a pick em game. I'll take the Panthers narrowly, uh, but I'll have them beating the Bears. Denver Broncos at the New England Patriots, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Uh, believe Cam Newton's going to play in this one. Think he is anyway. Uh, Patriots are just a better team than the Broncos right now. We'll see if Drew Locke plays. I'm not sure if he will. Take the Patriots to win this one. New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Joe Flacco will get another start for Sam Darnold. The Jets released Le'Veon Bell. That was breaking news on uh, Tuesday evening. And Miami just beat the 49ers. Why would I pick the Jets? They suck. As Stu Gott says, he hates them. Taking the, taking the Dolphins. Then the Green Bay Packers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. The Packers have had two weeks to prepare for this one, but they're going to face an angry Buccaneers team. They're going to face it. And Vitavia is out with a broken leg. That's a significant blow to the to the Buccaneers defense. He's a great defensive tackle. Um, but Tom Brady's pissed. I think the Buccaneers are pissed off after losing to the Bears last week. They're going to hand the Packers their first loss of the year, taking Tampa Bay in an upset. Sunday Night Football, LA Rams at the San Francisco 49ers, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. This is a must-win game for the 49ers. They face a very difficult schedule. They're, the gauntlet of games that they have is just incredible. They need to win this one. I want them to prove me wrong. I'm taking the Rams. 49ers, you lost to the Eagles and the Dolphins. Why should we believe that you're going to get the job done against the Rams? taking the Rams. Then a doubleheader Monday night. 
First game, Kansas City at Buffalo, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central Time on Fox. This should have been Thursday Night Football, but because the Bills played on Tuesday, they had to move the game to Monday night or Monday afternoon. Both teams coming off of a loss. This Bills offense is very difficult, and with the way the Chiefs looked against the Raiders, that scares me. Uh, the Bills will be anxious to turn around. I'm going to take the – I'm going to go against Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. I, I, I got it. I'm taking the Bills over the Chiefs. I don't say that. I don't – Say that lightly. I don't like saying it, but uh, I think the Bills are going to be angry. Hopefully, I'm proven wrong by Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes and company, but taking the Bills. And then the Arizona Cardinals at the Dallas Cowboys, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. What does Andy Dalton do in his Dallas Cowboys debut? The Cardinals do not have Chandler Jones. That is a problem. But they have Kyler Murray. He faces a bad Cowboys defense. The Cardinals cannot play like they did against the Panthers. They've got to get the job done. I think they will. I think they beat the Cowboys. And those are your week six picks. Four teams on the bye include the Chargers, Raiders, Seahawks, and Saints. For the full predictions and the previews, go to the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com with our football Friday preview. As mentioned, there have been uh, issues with the NFL schedule. So... Um, let's pull up. Uh, mul- mul- nine teams had their schedules uh, adjusted. That includes the Patriots. It includes the the Bills and the and the Titans and whatnot. But let's just look at some of the the, the teams that haven't been impacted. The the Dolphins by COVID. The Dolphins, the, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Broncos uh, more so. Um, the Chargers. I mean, it's mainly the Chargers and the Dolphins and the Jets that kind of get screwed around here. So let's just break down what's going on here. Uh, Denver at New England was scheduled for week five. Now is week six, as I mentioned, 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Chiefs-Bills game got changed. The Jets at the Dolphins originally for week 10 got moved to week six, 4.05 p.m. Eastern on CBS. The Jets at the Chargers. That was supposed to be week six, has been moved to week 11. Sunday, November 22nd at 4.05 p.m. Eastern on CBS. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the L.A. Chargers. That game moved from week eight to week seven. Sunday, October 25th at 4.25 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Chargers at the Broncos then. Game was moved from week 11 to week eight. Sunday, November 1st at 4.05 p.m. Eastern on CBS. And the Chargers again at the Dolphins. That game got moved from Week 7 to Week 10. Sunday, November 15th at 4.05 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Finally, the Dolphins at the Broncos game moved from Week 6 to Week 11, 4.05 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Buys got changed. Denver's buy moves from Week 8 to Week 5. New England's moved from Week 6 to Week 5. Chargers' buy is now this week. It was Week 10 uh, it's been moved to week six. Miami's buy moves from week 11 to week seven. Jacksonville's buy moves from week seven to week eight. The Jets' buy moves from week 11 to week 10. A lot going on there. COVID is wreaking havoc on the NFL. It's likely to continue. Uh, but if there's any more changes with teams already taking their buys, an 18th week seems like it is on the horizon, a definite possibility. So that's what's going on in the NFL. Uh, hopefully we can do toddler takes next week. Uh, with Noah, my son. But thank you to Travis and Charlie, as always, for joining me. Great talking with them. Uh, Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. 
Hope you enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you tune in again next week. More NFL talk. Baseball uh, talk. Congrats to the Lakers on winning the NBA uh, championship. The NBA finals. But uh, college football talk. Baseball talk. NFL talk next week. We are inching closer to college basketball. That's great. So for Travis and Charlie. And an early happy anniversary to my wife, Kelsey. Five years. Thanks for putting up with me for five years, hon. Uh, thank you all to all of you for listening. And we hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Mask up. Stay safe from the Rona. Just be safe. Be kind to one another. You've been listening to the Sports Block Podcast. <laughs>